We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Monday, everybody, and so you know what that means. We are back on track for our Monday recruiting hour, and I am joined by our director of recruiting, Ryan Roberts, who's fresh off his trip to South Bend, Indiana. Had a chance to uh, meet up again, meet see, meet your wife and your daughter, and saw your dad again, so it was a lot of fun doing that. Got a chance to Go through a, a mini tailgate with you. Uh, but yesterday, Ryan, it was the grind because Notre Dame had a lot of talented players on campus this weekend. And we put an Intel piece up on the message board. If you're not a member, you got to check that out. Some of it we'll discuss today, but a lot of the real juicy stuff we're not going to discuss in the show today as, as detailed. So you want to check out on that. But man, Ryan, one of the questions was it was not, it wasn't a question, but it's kind of like, this is nothing but good news. And it's like, look, I said this, and this is true. I have tried to find some bad news or something that's not great news or something that's not trending for Notre Dame because otherwise it can kind of come across as very Homerish, you know, very Pollyanna-ish, whatever the case may be, looking through whatever colored glasses. I tried, Ryan. I mean, I tried. <laughs> and it's not there. I mean, this staff did a phenomenal job this weekend. I mean, be far beyond what I thought my expectations were having the alums on campus was huge for Notre Dame, especially with the offensive linemen that was really impactful in in a lot of ways. This, I mean, you know, again, the, the, the play wasn't like super, super, super exciting. It was good, but man, what a, what a tremendous weekend for recruiting for Notre Dame. Yeah. And I I felt weird just because someone actually mentioned it on the message board. It was like, is there any bad news for this weekend? They would not hit it out of the park. And I'm like, well, I didn't get to spend as much time in South Bend as I wanted to. So right. I guess that's the bad news right. of the weekend. I mean, well, it, it's, there are some kids we haven't got a hold of. So, I mean, sure. there, there may be some some more out there. But, yeah, it's it's things are – especially with the kids that were on campus this weekend, Ryan. It was – I mean, we, we could have – would have liked to have tailgated a little bit longer. <laughs> Another staff dinner. I, you know, other than that, like it was a – and, I mean, I, I you know, people – you know, 
who's God's team. People say this, that, and the other. But I mean, all I know is the weather sucked all week last week, and the weather <laughs> sucked since you know today. Not great today, but on Saturday it was gorgeous. <laughs> So. Well, I, I think that was really huge too, honestly, for the recruits, yeah. right? Because you hear about like, oh man, going to South Bend, Indiana, weather-wise, like that's daunting, yeah, right? It's but... snow on the ground on Monday. I sure. mean, and it was like 70 on Saturday. It was yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah. It was absolutely beautiful. You I mean, you could have it you it, it was it could not have went better from a from a, a environment perspective, from an yeah. energy perspective, from a weather perspective. Like all those things happened. And the great thing about this, Brian, that what we're gonna talk about a ton. Is some of the coaches that we feel really knocked it out of the park this this um this weekend were new coaches, which yeah. is fantastic, man. Like right. guys that we didn't have. I mean, like now Washington, for instance. Like we don't have questions with him about as as a recruiter because of everything we've heard from Ohio State days. But the fact that he's one of the guys that really knocked it out of the ballpark this week, Chancey Stuckey, the newer mm-hmm. guys that we haven't seen on you know land right. anybody on the recruiting trail really kind of resonate with the recruits that were on campus. Yeah. I think that's huge for this. Well, staff. yeah, in the last week and a half, Notre Dame has, has I mean, three of the, the coaches, the new coaches have gotten on the board. You know, you talk right. about Dylan McCullough getting Jabron Payne in the 2022 class. You talk about our Washington getting on the board in the 2024 class. We'll talk about that, getting Brandon Davis Swain because – like the way you explained it, I want you to explain it to them, to the, the audience, the way you explained it to me about how he talked about uh, about Al Washington. And then, of course, Chancey Stuckey got on the board last week with with Braylon James. So you're starting to see some of that momentum building, you know, like there were some receivers on campus. Well, now Braylon James is talking to them, not as a fellow recruit, but now as a committed kid. You know, when you mm-hmm. talk about all the recruits on campus, I mean, there's there was three top 50 recruits on campus that were Notre Dame commits, Keon Keeley, Peyton Bowen, and Drake Bowen. That matters. That moves kids. I mean, when you see seven committed kids, I mean, there are a lot of teams that don't even have seven committed players, period. Notre Dame had seven on campus from all over the country, two kids from Florida, a kid from Texas, Ohio, Indiana. I mean, it was a really impressive group of guys and in Massachusetts because Preston Zenter was on campus this weekend with his brother, by the way. Zach yeah. was on campus this weekend. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So it was, uh, it really was a great weekend and we got a lot of, a lot, a lot of news, Ryan, from the weekend. And then we're also going to talk about some news tonight. Obviously, Sam Pendleton is going to be making his decision tonight, Ryan. We have a commitment preview on the board. He's going to decide between Notre Dame, Michigan, Florida, and NC State. We are going to go live around 630 to carry his his uh, decision, which will be on Instagram. But this is another one where one coach that hasn't gotten on the board yet, Ryan, is Harry Heastan. And this is going to be his first chance to do that. You know, obviously this is the first offensive lineman that he's recruited. That's going to be making a decision. This could be Notre Dame's chance to do that. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, about Sam Pendleton and where things stand with him and Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we, we put out the, the preview today of of the four finalists and uh, university of Florida was one Michigan was, was another NC state was the third. And then of course, Notre Dame rounding out the four, and what I really loved about what Sam kind of presented out there, Brian, is he talked about multiple layers to this decision. He didn't just talk about just the school, just the program. He talked about the coaches that he'll be working with and the type of offenses that he also would be working with as well. It wasn't just a simplistic, you know, I love the feel of the campus, blah, 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 like your traditional kind of recruit talk. I thought he really just presented like kind of a full scope of a decision, which tells me that this kid is a very thoughtful kind of decision maker to consider a lot of different things. This one has escalated pretty quickly because he was a guy that when we originally talked to after he got the offer, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm probably make a, to- a decision sometime in, in the summer. I'm going to kind of, you know, weigh my options because Notre Dame had just come on the board right there in March. So he wanted to obviously do his full, you know, re- de- detailed research. And he was on campus just a few weeks later, you know, last week or so. So I, I think that it's obviously been trending in a great direction. And the first time I talked to him, he said Notre Dame was a team that he had wanted to hear from since recruiting started. Like that was a team that he was a program, I should say, that was really interested in him. So I think that Notre Dame is sitting in a great position, obviously, going into tonight. He's a really physical offensive lineman that has played a little bit of left and right tackle, mostly right tackle for his school. I think he, obviously Notre Dame and and we do as well project him favorably inside a guard. I also think that he could play center, you know, long-term in that position. So he's a talented football player, really smart kid. I know he's taking extra classes right now because I think his plan is to try to enroll early into the school of his choice. So I think it would be a great grab for Notre Dame if they're able to close the deal on him tonight. And I think it's a really good sign that his last visit that he took before making this decision to make his commitment was with Notre Dame. So I think, it, I think they're in a really great spot with Sam Pendleton going into the night. 
it's in inter- I didn't even know that I had muted myself on that one, right? It's interesting because one of the things you want to see when it comes to taking that next step as a recruiting operation, it's not so much specifically about individual players, the point that I'm going to make. It's you have to be able to go, you talk about national recruiting, right? And you need to be able to go everywhere and not just get players, but get really good players. And when you look at, and, and, and to be able to do it at any position you want, and, and that's going to be a key because you're you're talking about a staff that hasn't gotten a mid-Atlantic offensive lineman since it got Sam Mustafer in 2014. Mid-Atlantic being basically the DMV down to, you know, I, I kind of view North Carolina as the mid-Atlantic. Some people view South Carolina as part of it. To me, the South Carolina is more as you know South, but mm-hmm. Carolina is up to the DMV. Is the mid-Atlantic right? They haven't gotten one of those since 2014 with Sam Mustafer. They haven't gotten a kid from North Carolina since 2012 with Mark Harrell. So this is not a region where Notre Dame has had a lot of success recruiting linemen. And there's been some guys they've wanted, but they just haven't been able to go on the road and get those guys in the past. And that includes, I mean, you know, again, this isn't a Jeff Quinn shot because Harry Heastan recruited the 15, 16, and 17, and 18 offensive lines as well after the last one. It speaks to two things, Ryan. It speaks to number one. That and this is an intriguing thing. Number one, it speaks to the continued development of the Carolinas in regards to producing more and more and more really good football players at all positions, right? I think right now quarterback's the only one that I think is still really kind of lagging behind others, although there's some there's some more kids coming from that area. You start looking at you know, now there's more big guys. It used to just be kind of skill type of guys. You know, the occasional linemen. You know, if Julian Akwara came from there. But number two, if you remember, the last time Harry Heastan was really recruiting in Notre Dame, Notre Dame was a program coming off of a four and eight year that had, had two 10 win seasons in six years. Now he's recruiting to a program that's won 10 plus games five straight years. And so there's just so many things working in Notre Dame's favor. It would be good to kind of kick things off with a kid like this. And then Potentially that gets the ball rolling, not just with offensive line, but offensive line in the Carolinas. And that's where I want to go next. Yeah. Sullivan Absher was on campus this weekend, Ryan. Guy that I know you like a lot. I like him a lot as well. We we kind of joke that if two of this, I think one or two of the services don't have him in the top 250, one has him <laughs> in the top 100. He said, if he's not a top 250 kid, this is the best recruiting class in the history of college football. I mean, high school football. Uh, kid's a really good football player. The only discussion is like, okay, who like, where do you like him more, tackle or guard? Right. But coming into this weekend for a while, Clemson had been the team to beat, right? Like he had a good visit to Notre Dame in January of January, late January. And Notre Dame did a really good first impression there, but Clemson was clearly the team to beat for a while. There were predictions for Clemson, people saying Clemson and all this. And that's what we were being told too from our sources on both sides of this thing. But Ryan, man. Notre Dame, absolutely. And I know some there's people maybe don't like this. It's my favorite expression. They knocked this. I mean, I'm talking like grand slam, bottom of the ninth, game seven, walk off home run. Yeah. I mean, I it couldn't have gone, it couldn't have gone better for Notre Dame with Sam Sullivan Absher. I mean, you said it perfectly, and it is a cliche, but I mean, I went into the visit and I've been very transparent about this. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I did not love where Notre Dame was with Sullivan Absher, and I've been very consistent about that. I felt that they were running a easy second, right? And you just mentioned Clemson was kind of the assumed leader, and I I thought that going into the visit, following the visit, 
I feel like Notre Dame is in the clear lead now. I think that they overtook Clemson. Now, obviously, you need to close in this situation, but he has now developed really good relationships with several of the recruits that have been on the past two trips now, including Monroe Freeling, who's also a Carolina kid. And I think that that resonates a little bit, you know, kind of seeing the same people a little bit on campus and having those ties, obviously, to the Carolinas. Like we're talking about him being a North Carolina guy and Monroe Freeling being a South Carolina guy. So, Sullivan Absher, I mean, I talked to him after the visit. I will say he said, I mean, I think his direct quotes, you know, not paraphrasing slightly, is they have moved up tremendously, right? And and he has moved up his list. And he's a kid where I feel as good as I have felt about him to Notre Dame potentially as I have this entire recruitment. I have been hesitant Mm -hmm. this whole time. I feel good about where Notre Dame is now, to say Mm -hmm. the least. Yeah, this this one was one Ryan that that they needed to hit the grand slam home run to, yep. to to have a shot. And and at this point, it's not even that I think they're the leader. I'll I'll even be a little bit bolder. I I think Notre Dame has put themselves in in like a position where it it could be it could be difficult to to pass them up. And that's he's a kid. And then we'll talk about Monroe Frilling as well. The, the having the Aaron Taylor, I mean, you listen to Aaron Taylor, you see him on Twitter, and then you listen to him in the show. Because I went back afterwards and eventually watched the game a couple times. We were both there live at the game. I mean, Aaron Taylor on Twitter and during the show was raving. Of, he, you know, they're talking about all the new pickups and stuff. He's like, Yeah, the, but the biggest one is Harry Heastan, and he loves him some Harry Heastan. And from what I'm told, that was made very clear to the recruits on campus this weekend. You've got these Hall of Famers, these NFL players just coming back, singing his praises, and that was big time for Absher and 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 Monroe Freeling. There's no doubt yeah. about it. He played I, a huge role in it. I mean, yeah, Monroe Freeling directly talked about Aaron Taylor in, in his mm-hmm. in the piece that I put out on him. I mean, he he basically said it was amazing seeing the alumni, the Notre Dame staff, and shout out to them use the alumni to the highest degree in this visit. Like they were basically parading them around and saying like, this is what Notre Dame's done, right? Like this is where we have come from. This is why Notre Dame has been considered one of the blue bloods and one of the elite of college football for forever, right? Like this is why. And he talked directly about Aaron Taylor. He got to sit down with Aaron, uh, Aaron Taylor, got to talk with him, called, I mean, Monroe Freeling speaking, talked about him and said that he was a great guy and he just really in, enjoyed it. And what great timing, Brian, because like you said, we were both at the game, that nice little ceremony for Aaron Taylor going into the College Football Hall of Fame. Like, it was perfect timing to have this type of event. I think it was, someone had reported it was like 297 former alumni were at the game or something like on campus, right? So mm-hmm. shout out to the coaching staff. What a yeah. great move by Coach Freeman and company getting all those former greats on campus, getting guys like Aaron Taylor. And I know I saw Cole Komet, who Drake Bowen had talked about, you know, obviously Deshaun, that like, you know, that's awesome being a Chicago Bears fan. That stuff resonates with these players. Me and Chase Claypool was on campus. Ian Book was on campus. Equinemia St. Brown. I mean, just from the recent recruits, guys that were Khalid Kareem, Dalen Hayes, Jalen Elliott, all NFL players. I mean, it was – I mean – and we'll talk a little bit about Brandon Davis Swain, but Khalid Kareem being on campus was huge for him, you sure. know, because there's a relationship there. So it, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a big time and for a spring game. It was like <laughs> 300 players being back for Notre Dame versus Clemson in November is not going to be a surprise at all. I mean, that's that's going to be a hot ticket, especially now that you know there, there's more open policy. Getting 300 guys back for a spring game, 
was impressive. And like, I, I don't know what the number was for the crowd, but I've been to a lot of spring games. That was one of the better crowds I've ever seen. It's a very unique situation. You know, people point to how many Ohio state gets and Penn state gets and Oklahoma got that's because their fan bases are mostly right there. You know I mean? That, that, right. that's it. I mean, that's what they do And Notre Dame's fan base is spread out throughout the country. So to get that many people with as expensive as travel is right now, Ryan, as you found out firsthand, yep. It was a really impressive thing. I, I want to comment on this. Michael Brahaney says, when when was McGlinchey? He is from Pennsylvania. Uh, McGlinchey was part of the 2013 class, number one. Uh, number two, I don't count Pennsylvania as mid-Atlantic. I kind of, it's an it's a East Coast, but I don't view it as, as mid-Atlantic. So uh, mid-Atlantic is literally the coast is the way that we, we define it from a recruiting standpoint. But even still, he was 2013. He was a year before Sam Mustafer. So Ryan Monroe, let's talk a little bit about Monroe, Monroe Freeling. That's one that you felt really good about coming into the visit. And from talking to you, it sounds like Notre Dame did nothing to hurt themselves and only solidified their standing with this. Who, who a case could be made is the most of him and Jagusa clearly that are one and two, one A, one B yep. in regard to the most important O lineman on the board for Notre Dame. You can make a case that he's number one since he's a left tackle, but I mean, he's a 1A, 1B type of guy. So how how things go with him this weekend? I mean, fantastic. I I, I feel like people now are going to be a little more to the side that I've kind of been consistently where I, I think I think they're the leader for Monroe Freeling. I do, and I've felt that for a while. I know that Clemson has obviously been a team that's been in the conversation for a long time. And obviously, South Carolina kid makes complete sense. And Monroe's been well-traveled this spring. So there's obviously a lot of competitors for his services as a student athlete, but I, I left the, I left the, the visit. I mean, unprompted Monroe just starts gushing about the alumni, right? Cause the one thing that the staff has always talked about is the, um, the alumni reach, right? Like that, the program that they have where, you know, basically it's, it's a, I mean, it, it is a direct service to, to people that have been there, done that and kind of helping the next generation of, of, of alumni and future students. And he spoke, very, very glowingly about that reach and seeing the alumni made it even more real. That thing that they kind of praised so often became very more tangible, became very real in front of Monroe Freeling. So we leave the meeting and I, I have just been, the reason that I've been feeling so good about his, the Notre Dame chance for a while, because I think that he adores, adores Coach Stand, And I, mm-hmm. I believe that that was only amplified in this meeting. Cause I mean, he, when we talked about him visiting his school he was just like almost in awe meeting a guy like him. He was a guy that I think is very well researched as far as who Coach He Stand is. Like he understands the roots of what he is. And seeing him on campus, being able to spend that time with him and the other recruits, like like um like Sullivan Absher that we just talked about, which you he's said, developed a good relationship with. Yeah, you yeah. said they're actually kind of friendly now. And this is the second yeah. time those two have been on campus together. Exactly. Yep. They, they were they were back on for the junior day on uh, January 29th. They were back today. They, he basically said that he spent his whole time with Sullivan after the whole trip. So I feel great about where they are. It's it, the question is going to be, what is the timeline? He has told us that he wants to go into he, his original plan was to go into the senior season, potentially with the plan. We know those things can change very quickly. How quickly, if you're Notre Dame, that is now, in my opinion, the assumed leader and has been for a little bit. How quickly can you convince him that this is it. This is it for you, man. Like this is decision time. You have done a great thing. I don't think that they'll push him if they, you know, to that extent, but I think that they would like him to come off the board quickly. Cause I feel like Notre Dame is 
going, I think Notre Dame feels really good about where they are with a guy like Monroe Freeling ending this trip. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they have to, they like, they do like where they are. It's now, it's like you said, it's about closing. And I think that's the interesting thing is like, you don't want to push, right? right. Sometimes if you push too hard, you can push a kid away. Like, okay, fine. These other schools are saying no way as long. Cause here's the thing. All those other schools are going to tell Monroe Freeling, hey, man, we'll take you whenever you want to come. It's on your timeline. Do you know why they're saying that? Because they're not his leader, and they know it. They know they're chasing Notre Dame. So you've, you've got to be careful with that. But, look, the thing is, Ryan, is as we've said, momentum and recruiting is a real thing. And if you're able to land Sam Pendleton tonight, you know, and we'll find out tonight if that's going to be the case or not, if you're able to, you know, can you, cause one thing we said coming in is we did believe based on, I believe some conversations you've had, Ryan, that we expected Sullivan Absher to make whatever decision he was going to make somewhat soon. Like he doesn't plan on, from what I understand, doesn't plan on like going into June and July for officials. Correct. He was planning on wrapping things up somewhat soon. So we expect him to maybe be like a, you know, a, a made decision at some point, you know, that kind of yep. thing in regards to, to, to going public with a decision and all that. So, if you're able to kind of get those two guys, now all of a sudden there's that third mid-Atlantic guy. And we had a question from Jake Brown. He says, did you think before the recruiting cycle started that they would potentially get three offensive linemen from the mid-Atlantic states? No, before the recruiting cycle started. And I, I mean, honestly, we were thinking one for a right. long time because, you know, it was Freeling and Absher. Mm-hmm. And we liked where they were with Freeling. Absher, you know, not as much. And then Pendleton came on board and was like, okay, let's see what they can do here. It's okay. I feel good about two. And now it's, you know, now potentially having a shot of three would be, would be huge. And if you can open up that, that pipeline to the, to the Carolinas, especially, I mean, goodness, that's um that'd be a, a great sign for Notre Dame in my opinion. Especially with Monroe Freeling, stealing him out of the state of South Carolina. Although, and I know someone mentioned it on the chat already. Yes. When you compare the development of offensive lines between Clemson and what Notre Dame has done traditionally, it's no contest, but still taking a kid out of the state of South Carolina, out of Clemson's backyard is huge. It is. We cannot undersell that fact. Yes. You're correct on the development side of the offensive lineman. Absolutely. But getting this kid out of the state of South Carolina would be incredible for Notre Dame in this cycle because, I mean, we've talked about a couple of times, Brian, there's a couple other offensive linemen that have kind of faded in the Notre Dame's favor. We talked about Samson Okolola a ton on this show, right? You need to find that player that is that true potential left tackle after Joel, after Joel is, is out the door at Notre Dame. I think that could be Monroe Freeling. He has all the talent in the world to be that player and, and beating, beating some of these teams in the Carolinas, man, because you have seen Sam Pendleton is a hot player on the recruiting trail right mm-hmm. now, man. I feel like he gets an offer every single week. His offer list is fantastic at this point. Sullivan Absher is, I mean, the kid is a 6'7", 285-pound player. Who is I want just, to make I, mean, a, I want to make a yeah. comment about that too, Ryan, because, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about South Carolina and Monroe Freeling's from South Carolina. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Sullivan Absher lives about an hour and 45 minutes, almost two hours closer to Clemson than Monroe Freeling does. Sure. Monroe Freeling's from the complete opposite side of the state, you know, because the Carolinas stack on top of each other. Sullivan Absher actually actually lives closer to Clemson than than uh, than Monroe, significantly closer than Monroe Freeling does. And so, you know, that's the thing that we got to remember is like just because a guy's from a state doesn't mean that that's necessarily you know the the the, the closest to him. And that's that's kind of what makes it interesting. I mean, Sullivan Absher actually lives further away. I'm sorry, Monroe Freeling actually lives further away from Clemson's campus than Sam Pendleton. The two, so both, I mean, it's like by 15 minutes. So, you know, 
the point is not to dismiss dismiss the Clemson impact with Monroe Freeland because it's huge. It's it's to point out that just because one's from North Carolina doesn't mean Clemson's not the school to to look at in that region because they are. And I know that the recruiting that the offensive line development is what it is, but no, Clemson as a team has been significantly better than Notre Dame. They've got two national championships, and that carries a lot of weight with a lot of kids. And it's, it, and their pitch is, hey, new O-line coach. Like, we're trying to establish this tradition, and offensive lines are missing link. You can be that. They've got a pitch to sell. And so if Notre Dame is able to get two of those three guys, it would be huge. If they can get three out of three, it, it, it's honestly a scenario that you I can't, I can't figure out what a better scenario would be. Now, again, with these two kids, with the rest of the kids we're going to talk about, closing is the key. Because you'll hear words like silent commit. No, I don't care about silent commitments. It, the only time I care about silent commitments is, is if the only reason he's waiting is be, is out of respect to other schools or because he's given their word that he's going to take visits or I'm getting a commit video done and I don't want it to go public until I have my video done. Those are the two scenarios in which – I put value in a, in a silent commitment. So like, if you hear those, those don't matter a whole lot to me. Cause if a kid says, Hey, I'm, I'm silently committed to you, but I'm, I'm going to take all my officials in June. You know, I mean, okay, that's fine. I, I, it doesn't mean I don't love where you're at as a school, but it, it just doesn't mean a whole lot in this situation. So uh, just keep that in mind as you, as things start to kind of come out. And if, if you all want to ask, Oh, is this guy committed or not? Like until they go public, it, it really doesn't, it doesn't mean a ton, but no. Notre Dame, when it comes to the offensive line recruiting, he stand and the staff has, have position. And it, here's the thing that I also like. In the past, it was mainly just Coach Eastand coaching, recruiting offensive linemen. That's not the case now. Chad Bowden is very involved with these kids. Tommy Reese has been involved with these kids. And Marcus Freeman has been involved with these kids. And again, that staff effort, if it's not just Harry Eastand, I mean, Harry Eastand carries enough weight by himself. But when Marcus Freeman is calling these kids and meeting with these kids and knows everything you need to know about these kids, when Chad Bowden is doing that, when Tommy Reese is doing that, it's 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 not a surprise that Notre Dame is doing what they're doing because this is what we've said, Ryan, and you've heard me say this for years. Put up, put a product on the field that looks good, and put in the work on the recruiting trail, and Notre Dame can recruit against anybody. Been saying it for years. Mm-hmm. And so far, we're seeing it played out now, but it's about to close. Absolutely. Before we move on to some other uh, some other positions, I did. There's a couple things I wanted to get up here. First of all, JoJo Pineda with super chat. Thank you, JoJo, very much. Says hi, guys. Happy Monday. Give all the golden nuggets you can give. And how's recruiting moving forward after this weekend? Lots of nuggets on the board. I mean, I, I think you know JoJo put this up before the show started, so obviously things are going are going great. Obviously, we're we're. I mean, I think you can kind of tell by the tone. It's like I, Ryan, I really did try to find something. I mean, you know this. I tried to find something that was not positive, and it's really hard so far. So far, there's some kids we are still trying to get in touch with, but so far, it's been really positive. Gabe Weiss says, "Great to meet you at the tailgate and get a mini live show. Looking forward to the next meetup." Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot mm-hmm. of fun getting to meet everybody. Some new faces. Gabe, Gabe, you know, some some uh, got to meet Gabe and his brother. Mm-hmm. We're also there. So I've met his brother. I've only ever talked to Gabe like through DM or on the show. So it was nice to meet both of the Weiss brothers. And he also said, Ryan, your daughter is incredibly adorable. Can verify. That, that Sources confirm. <laughs> she is. There's no question about it. 
So before I just wanted to check real quick and see if there was any more. Let's see here. Uh, Garth Cassidy says, I think both Sullivan and Monroe are scheduled to be back on campus between June 10th and 11th. Well, we are. We know for a fact that Monroe Freeling is. That's been, we've reported on that for a while. I'm not sure about Sullivan Absher, but again, just because they have a, 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 a visit scheduled to Notre Dame doesn't mean they're going to wait till then to make decisions. Right. You know, we, we would be surprised. I won't be surprised if Monroe Freeling waits that long. I mean, he could decide sooner, but it wouldn't shock me. He seems to be a guy that kind of has a, a plan for this. Selvin Absher has a plan too, and the plan was always to decide sooner. So we'll see yep. if we'll see if if uh, we'll see how that plays out. But Garth, thank you, thank you very much for the super chat. So I want to just check a real quick. Rob O'Meara had a question: Are Saraveld and Pendleton similar players? Ryan, I'll let you take a shot at that one. They're similar in the sense that they're going to be best fits inside but i don't think they're actually similar at all to be honest with you saraveld is i mean massive frame he's he's right around six foot five 315 pounds plus already like he is fill out he's he's college ready from a physical perspective now obviously there's you know work that he needs to be done but he is for me a, a mauling presence like he is a guy that is just going to dominate at the point of attack people mover and i think that pendleton has some of those same traits but i think of him more as a technician right like i think of powerful hands and i think of understanding how to attack leverage so i think he's a little more of a technically sound player compared to cerebell but cerebell probably has a higher upside as far as a run blockers i just think he yeah, mover. Says, higher yeah. upside as a mover yeah just right because he's so big as a dry as a drive blocker like this is a kid where if we're talking inside zone you know moving at the point of attack working to the second level i think cerebell has the movement ability from a power perspective Pendleton, I think, is a little better of a functional athlete, but I think that he's a guy that is going to win more about placement and the ability to work work angles. Like that's where I see a little more of Pendleton. He's a little more of a technical technical guy than a Cerevelle naturally. I think I think I I like Pendleton more as a player. I, I graded him higher as a player, but they're both four star kids. And the only the reason I I prefer again this is looking at Notre Dame. I prefer guys that are a little bit more athletic. And I think Pendleton's the more athletic player. But I think what Saraveld would bring, he was also on campus this weekend, what he would bring to the table, which I think is is needed. Like even though I may grade Saraveld higher, I really feel like Saraveld or Pendleton higher, I really feel like Saraveld is a, is a musket kid in this class because what Notre Dame doesn't have a lot of on their line right now is just naturally big kids especially interior guys. It's like guys you're trying to like put some weight on and get the, you know, Ashton Craig. I love Ashton Craig, but you got to add 30 pounds to that kid. Right. I, you know, even a guy like Billy Shrouth, there's some weight that needs to get, to get put on that kid. It'd be nice to see Notre Dame land a kid that's already 310 plus pounds and moves. Okay. For, I mean, when I talk about Pendleton being a better athlete, Pendleton's listed at 305, Ryan. I, I, he doesn't look that quite that big to me. Sarah Bell's a, a, a noticeably bigger kid. But he moves well for that size. And so even though I one kid may be a you know, I rank higher, it doesn't mean that that other kid isn't a really good player. Ryan, you're also correct that they are similar in the only similarities are in that they project to be interior players. Otherwise, they're just different. They're just different guys. One guy's more hands, feet, technique, like you said, the other guy's just big. And and I, I think I think Notre Dame sees. I mean, we, we've talked a little bit about this, but they think that Cerebell maybe could even play center. I'm actually the complete opposite, though. I think I think yeah. Pendleton's the more natural guard Agreed. to center convert because of those hands in yes. the, the, the better feet. But yeah, it, yeah, I, I think. Look, in reality, is is I I think the way that Harry Heastan recruits, 
there are some at Notre Dame that, that that believe what you said, Ryan. Obviously, but I think he stand has always been less prone to fitting guys into positions, and that's the that's the unique thing about it. So I just it's kind of like, hey, let's see who can let's see who can play and and figure out where. So it's uh they they've done really really well with with recruiting the the offensive line. Let's dive into some skill players, Ryan. So Notre Dame got on the board last week with Braylon James, huge pickup big time pickup. Now it's about what's with them and you need at least three more receivers in the class. And we've said this before. We think they would get to five if there was one or two guys that are two way players, you know, like if they had four commits and Micah T's wanted to come and get a shot at receiver, they would flat out do that as, as just an example, you had two huge, huge recruits on campus this weekend at receiver Rodney Gallagher and Jaden Greathouse. Let's start off with Rodney Gallagher because I feel, I feel I'll share my opinion, you share yours, and then give the updates. Yep, I felt like there was a lot of assumptions about where Notre Dame would be with Gallagher, and I didn't necessarily believe I, I didn't necessarily go that far. I felt like because of things he had just kind of said to you and some other things I'd heard, like he liked Notre Dame, but I think there was this assumption that because he was from Pittsburgh, he was going to be a Notre Dame guy, and he would know a lot of Notre Dame. And he made he, he it was very clear to me talking to you and reading your story that you had on yesterday that that assumption was correct that he didn't actually come to Notre Dame with a lot of previous knowledge about Notre Dame, which meant that they needed to really impress him this weekend, Ryan. And boy, did they! Yeah, sorry, I couldn't find the mute button, unmute button there for a second. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I hey man. I was on the same exact boat with you. I'm like, I, I would love Ronnie Gallagher in this class, but he's a player that you just don't, you didn't know. You honestly did not know because you just had not seen anything from him on the recruiting trails until this month. This is the month where he's at a spot every single weekend, every single weekend. And he already cut down his list right recently to the, to the top eight and talk about a diverse list, man. Leaving the state of Pennsylvania is not in his cons- like oh my he does gosh. not care about this at all. And I know I, some people have some people have speculated, Brian, like, oh, Penn State's to lose. I mean, looking at that list, yeah, I don't that's think another it's- one I never bought. Yeah. I, I would I would argue that Pitt and West Virginia are both stronger contenders for him than Penn State right now. Now that could change, but I, I think there's I think there's a lot of thoughts that well, because he's from Pennsylvania, he's no look, Penn State's a long way away from where that kid lives. <laughs> and it's out in the middle of nowhere. If any Ryan, I don't know if you've ever been to that campus, but it is no. literally out in the middle. Like, if you think that that it, like, you know, somebody made a joke like uh, yesterday. You, you you put something on the board about you know the Field of Dreams reference, and somebody's like, "Yeah, that's what it's like driving to Indiana." <laughs> and I was like, "That's more aesthetic than what it's like driving into State College. That place is out in the middle of nowhere." Now, State College is a is a cool place, but like the drive there really sucks. But to, to point about this, like, I have never seen a kid have a top list that was as small as eight, right? And that's not small, but like, you know, top 15s have schools from all over, right? Like a top eight that was so geographically diverse. You have Pitt, West Virginia, Notre Dame, Penn State, which are all expected, right? They're mid-northern East Coast schools. Then you have Texas. Virginia Tech has the mid-Atlantic covered. Oklahoma State, it's like, what? And then Oregon, I mean, he's got – and the only area that's not represented is the Southeast, which is usually you always have that token South SEC school. Mm-hmm. But I was like – I looked at that list and I was like, yeah, you don't see that every day. Like, no. it looks more like a basketball list. 
that's what I found. Because like basketball players, like the regional thing is less important for basketball players. You see kids just go all over the country. It's just, you know, for different reasons. It's a different sport, which I found funny because, you know, he's a basketball player, <laughs> you know, also. But that that list was really, really interesting. But yeah. getting to his visit, Ryan, I was I mean, he talked a lot about which I thought was interesting about. I wasn't expecting this. Right. Right. It's I not mean, often the kid goes to Notre Dame and is like, yeah, I wasn't expecting as much that much. But, you know, it written it helps them. It's good for them. Usually it's like, OK, this kid's expecting this to be like, oh, yeah. you know, angelic <laughs> noises when you walk on campus and. That wasn't Rodney Gallagher. Now, I mean, to reiterate your your point to start here, he I would say he, that he has been intrigued by Notre Dame, but he didn't quite understand the reach and the campus and everything that is involved. And what he told uh, told me was, this surprised me in the best way possible, I think is almost exactly how he phrased it. it, it, it he, to say Notre Dame knocked this one out of the park is a complete understatement. Because mm-hmm. I, I thought, again, intrigue, but I, I mean, it was a long shot going into the going into the weekend because you just don't know. You just didn't know where he stands with some of these schools, just because it's just been such a new world. But the good news is, is that not only did you get the top eight that he dropped over the weekend, but here he told me already that May is going to be a big decision month for him. He's going to cut down even quicker, and he does. I don't think he wants to draw out this process too much. I think he enjoys going on these visits, but I don't think he actually enjoys the recruiting process, if that makes sense. Like, I think he likes going to see all the campuses, but I don't think he likes the constant, you know, contact type of deal that that comes with the recruiting side of things. So I think he wants to have this decision done in the next couple months. Like, I don't think this one's going to be one that drags into late summer, into the, into the fall season. Like, I just don't see that one happening. So Notre Dame left this one. You have to feel good about where they are. You could call him a leader, maybe. I mean, they're right I, in the I, conversation. I yeah, I'll go there. I'll go there. I think Notre yeah. Dame put themselves in pole position on this one. Yeah, and and but but I I think it's it. it so talking to different sources, Ryan, and and we'll share a little bit about about it. Uh, so a lot more is on the board about it, but I I think Notre Dame gave him a lot to think about this weekend, and I and I definitely think that they put themselves in the pole position for him. Now, where I'm not ready to get too excited about it just yet is, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, Ryan, it doesn't sound like there's a lot anyone's going to be able to do to convince him to end his recruitment sooner. He can wake up tomorrow and say, you know what? I've been to some places and I'm done. I want to commit to wherever. But it sounds to me like, I mean, he's already scheduled at least three official visits in June. He strikes me as a kid that's going to, even though he doesn't, like you said, he doesn't love the process, but he also strikes me as a young man that is thoughtful and understands the need to, like, he doesn't like the process from our end. I think he understands the importance of the process on his end in making sure that he gets to these places. So I'm not quite ready to, to say he's all Notre Dame yet, because I do think there's going to be some more visits and, uh, the, here's the thing about visits. Notre Dame did a phenomenal job. What if the next school does an even better job? That's why I, I don't get a whole lot into the silent commitment thing for other players or, you know, the leader thing is great, but when a kid's got visits, anything can happen. But I think as of right now, today, April 25th, I I'm, I have no, no qualms at all about saying Notre Dame put themselves in pole position for Rodney Gallagher. I agree completely. And the, and the really good part about that is 
like you said, a next visit could change everything. He only has one visit left this month. You know, he only has Penn State next that's week, and then <laughs> it is a pretty big one. It is for sure. But then shortly after that, that's when list kind of gets shrunk down even further, right? So I think Notre Dame has put themselves in a great, yeah. a great position. Should have been no surprise if yeah. you're on the board that they were going to be in the top eight easily. Like right. that was no conversation at all. Mm-hmm. So. You feel good about where they are after feeling right. – I, I think the word is like, – I didn't feel negatively about where they were or like pessimistic or, or whatever yeah. word that you want to use there. I felt indifferent. Like I didn't know. Like no one knew. And now I think we know right. a little bit. Because he had never been. And the recruiting exactly. process was so new to him. And I want to make sure my Penn State comments on Gallagher are clear. I don't feel that Penn State was his leader at any point in time. I think that was overstated because it's the biggest program in his home state. Right. You and I, because I think that I would say the same thing about Penn State and Rod and Rodney Gallagher that I would say about Notre Dame and Rodney Gallagher. I think there's interest there, clearly, but I think a lot of it was oversold. Now, Notre Dame d- took their swing, but now Penn State gets to take their swing. And it's going to be, I think, what'd you say uh, in the, it's going to be early, like May, like early May, correct? Isn't that when he's gone? When's he going to Penn State? I thought it was in May. No, I, I think it's ne- the next Saturday, whatever that date is. So that'll be. April. the 30th so, so he'd be late it'd be like the 30th and then sunday'd be may 1st yeah so so it'll be quickly that's a good thing yeah. but you know penn state's going to get a shot to to take their swing this weekend and so even though i think the penn state stuff is oversold going in i that doesn't mean they can't do what notre dame did going because i felt the same way about the the pipe about where he stood with notre dame so it's it's going to be interesting to see how notre dame kind of if they're able to kind of weather that storm sure Rodney Gallagher was not the only big-time receiver on campus this weekend, and I know one of your personal favorites was on campus this weekend. And honestly, those two might be your two personal favorites of the of the uncommitted kids. I mean, based on conversations we had, I would say those two of just the pure receivers, right? Like, obviously, I know we both love Ronan Hannafin, but you know, we view him differently. Even though he's going to, I think, if he picks another name, would start at would start out at receiver. And that's Jaden Greathouse from Austin, Texas, Westlake High School. This is a this is a different one for me than Gallagher because I felt like Texas was the clear leader for him because he's been there a bunch. He was a kid, Ryan, that we felt in our private conversations Notre Dame could make a big move on because I think there was a natural interest in Notre Dame. The kid had two visits scheduled without ever having been on campus. He, he right. I mean, you you reported this a month ago. He had this visit set for this weekend. And he'd already set a visit for a camp, not for mm-hmm. an official visit in the summer, but a camp. Exactly. Which means he wanted to work out with the staff. That speaks to a very high level of interest in the Notre Dame program. So they had an opportunity this weekend, Ryan, mm-hmm. to make a move with him. And um, wow, they uh, they did. They well, did. I- I mean, I, I went into the week, and I think I said this to you, Brian, when we saw each other on Friday. Maybe I, I I said like I'm excited to see what they make, what you what we make of the Great House visit this week because he comes in liking Notre Dame, and he had never been there. Like you said, he has the ties to Coach Stuckey when he was at Baylor. Baylor again, I've talked about this a million times. Baylor was the first team that offered Jaden Great House, and although Coach Stuckey was not there when the offer came out. He had been developing a relationship for him for a year while he was the wide receiver coach at Baylor. So I think there's a lot of a lot of things that when you piece it together, you're kind of like, huh, that's interesting, man. Like I'm not saying that they have an inside track, but definitely not what I'm saying. What I'm saying though is that the fact that they were in the top group near near the top. I mean, I'm saying probably at least top there was three or less four teams. ground to make up there, though, right? Because exactly. one 
Well, like what's important to recruit, Ryan? It's, I mean, there's just playing time, academics, but relationship with the staff is always going to be important to kids that are going to pick Notre Dame. Absolutely. The problem is with Notre Dame, a lot of times when you start recruiting a kid, you're building that relationship that's it's new, especially when I'm talking about one of the new staff. Well, because there was already a year-long established relationship that put Notre Dame well ahead of where they – same thing with Braylon James – well ahead of where they would have been if it was just they hired you know, a guy that I wanted at the time, Jamarcus Shepard, who I thought would have been a great hire. Still, Flint Field would have been a great hire. It was, it was multiple great hires on the board. Harlan Wiggins was that guy. Those guys would have had to establish from scratch relationships with Jaden Greathouse. And that's that's what we're saying is like that relationship was already there. You didn't have to do, worry about that. You could focus right away on selling Notre Dame. Right. You, you had sold yourself already. That relationship was established. And, and from everything that we've been told from multiple sources – is that Notre Dame came out of this weekend as the program to beat for Jaden Greathouse. Which is saying a lot. It's saying a lot because not only is it, again, tapping potentially into the state of Texas, not only is it a top 100 receiver, it's also from one of the best high schools in in not only the state of Texas, but the country. Exactly. Westlake is, I mean, it's a very well-known program. And the fact, you know, they were a state championships last state championship team last year, 16 and 0. Cade Klubnik, the quarterback, is now playing at Clemson. They develop players, man. And this Peyton kid Bowen is and Eli Bowen and Ryan ex- Bates and Jackson Arnold in the state championship game. Exactly. Yeah, they, I believe. Correct. Yeah, I, I think it was like a 20 point win or yeah. something like that against Geyer. So, yeah, Jaden Greathouse went off. He had like 230 <laughs> yards and three touchdowns. Actually, <laughs> he texted me, he's like, he, he ended Ryan Yates's career. And I was like, oh, let's pump the brakes a little bit on that one. But, that game was a big reason why Notre Dame was like, yeah, I'm not sure that's a guy that we want. And that was one of those things that made them say, yeah, that kid's who we want. I mean, to be exactly. that good and dominate a, a power five, four-star kid on the biggest stage you've ever played in. So, yeah, that's our dude. That's our guy. Well, and I, I know everybody on the board and just in general is obsessed with Cornell Tate, right? Like, you're just mm-hmm. obsessed with him. The fact that. And it is understandable. He's a great player. There's no doubt about it. And whatever team lands him is getting a phenomenal wide receiver. But the fact here, Brian, for a guy of Chancey Stuckey that we had questions with how good of a recruiter he'd be, the fact that so far he's already landed Braylon James and put themselves in great position in only a couple months with a Rodney Gallagher and a Jaden Greathouse. Man, like, is there much better starts from the recruiting profile to, like, I mean, it would just be an incredible – he's answering a lot of questions early on from the recruiting side of things. So, Jaden Greathouse, a player that I've been a big fan of for a long time, went into the the visit. You were, like, cautiously optimistic, I guess is how I would phrase it. Like, you were like, huh, maybe they can get into this conversation. And they left with, like, the lead lead on them, which is incredible. And can they hold it? When – can they hold it? When will that commitment happen? All those things need to work itself out, obviously. Right. But again, leaving this visit, how do you not feel great about what they were able to do with Jane Greathouse? Right. It's just crazy. Right. And he said he's going to drop a top three, I believe, at some point in time today. Is that what the tweet was? I believe I saw from Jaden. Was it today or was it Sunday? I thought I said Sunday, but I could I, be wrong. I thought he had tweeted that today, but you could be correct. I'm saying he the tweet was today. Yes, the tweet was today. His thought, yeah, so he tweeted today that he's going to drop a top four on Sunday. On Sunday, yep. So I was referring to when the tweet was made. So we, gotcha. we we're there was a question about this. Do you think Notre Dame will be in it? Yes, they'll, yes. they'll be in it. They're, they're they so, will. 
There's no doubt about it. Before we, we continue this, we did get a super chat from Patrick Tolan. Uh, thank you for that, Patrick. We were talking about Penn State and Rodney Gallagher. He said, had a friend attend Penn State for grad school. He, he always says, ain't nothing happy about Happy Valley. <laughs> um, I it, it's, a, it's a nice little college town, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. So, obviously, there's still work to be done. And I want to make sure that we say this because it needs to be said. Notre Dame has put themselves in great position, but these are not over yet. And, and you know, until these kids say, "Hey, I'm publicly committed, and I'm not taking any more visits," a recruitment's not over. But it, as of right now, it's like one of those things where who would you rather be, Notre Dame with Jaden Greathouse, or Texas, or Baylor, or I'd rather be Notre Dame right now? Who would you rather be with Rodney Gallagher? I'd rather be Notre Dame right now. The only other school I would maybe want to be would be Penn State because they still have another shot, right? That, that's that's the only one, you know, but because now Notre Dame has said, okay, that's the standard. You got to beat it now. And they've, they've set themselves as the standard bearer for those players. And so I think that's a, a big thing. So again, it's, it's been nothing but like, not only is Notre Dame in the game for these kids, Ryan, but Notre Dame's the team to beat for a lot of these kids. And I think that's the surprising thing for me uh, is that I'm, I'm a little surprised at, how well things went this weekend. Like I was, I, I mean, it's, it's you're always going to get good reviews. You expect it to go well, but I, I got to admit, I am a little surprised at how well it's gone. And, and I think this is, I think there's a good super chat that we just got from Wade Garrett. Thank you for that, Wade. He says, how do you determine recruits visit went great or not? That's a great question. And we got this on the message board as well that we answered earlier, Ryan. And just so people understand kind of where our excitement comes from with these guys or, you know, not excitement, but you know, like why we think things went well. There's a lot of different ways you do it. Number one is obviously talk to the player. Mm-hmm. And and that's why the previous relationship is so important. So like when Ryan has had conversation with Sullivan Absher and had conversation with Monroe Freeling, you know, had conversation with Rodney Gallagher coming into the visit, you talk to them after you're like, okay, attitudes change. The things he said are changed. Like he's been, he's always been kind of, I don't know, but now he's like, wow, it's, it's great. You know, that's important. That's step one, talking to the player. You know, obviously that's, that's step number one. Step number two is, okay, talk to people around him. What did mom and dad think, right? I mean, are they saying the same things? Then you get into, okay, what was he saying to other recruits? What was said to another recruit that was on campus? What was said to a parent between parents on campus? You know I mean? Some of the, some of the excitement we have is comes from talking to parents who, who've hit me up like, you know, Hey, like, just so you know, this is what, this is what we heard. I'm like, well, who'd you hear that from? Well, I heard it from so-and-so who he too told it to. Well, okay. Well, I, I put not as much in that. When a parent calls me and says, Hey, I, you know, this is what, you know, this is where things are. I'm like, well, who told you that? The kid or his dad. <laughs> so you put more onto that. Right. And then of course you talk to the Notre Dame sources and that's part of it too. And then over time, we'll also talk to, we'll try to talk to, you know, people that are also that cover the team that the other teams he's, that he's looking at. Right. So like, like people have asked, like, what's the difference between why you feel so confident in Dante Moore and not Cardinal Tate when they're basically visiting the same schools? It's the the message is consistent from that side, but the message is also consistent when we talk to people of the teams that he's that they're visiting. With Cardinal, it's he doesn't even talk about Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not even in the game. He doesn't he he doesn't have great things to say about Notre Dame, like he does when he talks to Notre Dame people. With Dante, it's always like, yeah, Notre Dame's the team to beat. They're going to be hard to beat. 
right? Like that that's the feedback, not that we're getting from Notre Dame, but when we talk to Florida people and Oregon people and Tennessee people and, and LSU people, right? At least the ones that are honest. And, and so that to me is, is also part of it, Wade. So it, it, it's a, it's not like we talk to a kid, he says great things and we run to the message board, like they're going to leader. They're going to get this kid, you know, like that, that's fanboy stuff. And that's why Ryan will tell you, I was a little nervous about putting that, that update on the message board today. Cause it's like, can it really be this good? Could the weekend have really gone this good? Like we were last night talking. It was just like, like at one point in time, it was just like, this is unreal. Like how, how the feedback we're getting from all the different sources is just unreal. I, I think that's key too. That's key that you're saying it's from a lot of different people. Right. It's not just like one source. It's like, yeah, right. oh, it went great. It's like, yeah. We're and talking that one to... source thinks they're going to sign every five star on the board. <laughs> exactly. You know, like they're going to well, get Sam and Pemba, Darren Gillette and Jay Nosberry. <laughs> right. And they may flip right. Anthony Hill and signing. Uh, Anthony oh, okay. Hill. I'm, yeah. I'm like not listening one. to you anymore. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> it's exactly right, man. I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> I mean, you hit it already. It's talking to players. It's talking to parents. It's talking to coaches. It's talking to everyone around the situation. And when you consistently get the same thing coming back, went great. They love Notre Dame. Visit couldn't have gone better. Yada, yada, yada. Whatever the story is, both positive and negative, that's when you buy into the narrative, right? Because there's going to be a million narratives. I mean, we've seen – you just mentioned Dante Moore. We have seen every single narrative thrown out around Dante Moore during this recruitment. We have stuck with one stance, and we're going to stick with one stance for now because that's what we keep consistently hearing. If the intel changes, we'll change mm-hmm. our stance, which is what we did with Cardinal Tate. A month ago, I was feeling Notre Dame had a shot to get him. I really thought a month ago Notre Dame was going to get Cardinal Tate. I really did. Yeah. Then the intel changes. And you hear things from people, you're like, yeah, that's not good. I'm curious how it's going to go the next visit. Oh, that was even worse. Okay, let me hear one more. Okay, yeah, they're done. <laughs> they're not going to get that kid, right? right? It's just the, the intel has not – I mean, even I had – we had an update on the, the big piece about Dante Moore, and we're not going to talk about Dante Moore during the show. Mm-hmm. But it just was this, a, a thing that just said, hey, look, we've reached out again, and the story is still the same. It has not changed for two months. And and neither has Dante's plan. That's the thing people understand is Dante Moore has said from the beginning he's going to take visits. We thought he might decide sooner. Other people had hoped he would decide sooner. He didn't. But this has always been the plan. So it's really about talking to a lot of people. And then when things change, we'll tell you, like, we thought there was a really good chance that Charles Jagusa was going to make a decision coming out of the Notre Dame visit because that's what we had, the intel we had gotten going in. Well, things change coming out of the visit. Not where Notre Dame stood, that's still great, but just the time frame. So we report right. that. So I think it's important. The reason I wanted to bring up Wade's comment is not just because it's a super chat, in which we appreciate, but the other reason I wanted to bring up Wade's comment is because I think it's important for people to understand the process of how we get to these type of proclamations of where things stand. Mm-hmm. And it's and honestly, I'll be honest about something else. I haven't I haven't had a chance to speak with anyone on the Notre Dame side about any of this stuff. That's what makes it even more like, wow, this is this is surprising. And mean meeting Notre Dame like you know, staff, like people that like the normal sources that 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 we try to have. I haven't talked to anyone about it, which makes it even more 
surprising to hear how well things went because we're getting this from the player family side, not the Notre Dame side. And so it, it really has, uh, it really has been impressive. Oh, and by the way, Ryan, Oh, actually, you know what, before we do that, we got a super chat up here from Kevin Carter. I want to get to, let me find that one. Kevin, thank you for this very, very, very much. He says, thanks for continuing to crush it for us, Brian and Ryan. Uh, this should help keep your Mountain Dew for the next few weeks. You, the amount of Mountain Dew that I go through, maybe, maybe, uh, but we'll try to try to make it last. That's how much I love my IB family. I, I put some of my Mountain Dew in the cooler and, and and brought it to the tailgate this weekend. I wanted to share my love and my passion, which is not just Notre Dame football, but also Mountain Dew, with the rest of you. So, uh, Kevin, thank you very, very, very much for that. You know, Ryan, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we've talked a lot about all these uncommitted players. Notre Dame got a commitment this weekend. <laughs> sure did. We talked about that on Saturday. I wanted to give you a chance to talk about it. Obviously, Notre Dame landed Brandon Davis Swain. He is a top 100 defensive lineman from West Bloomfield, Michigan, for those who were not able to listen to the show on Saturday night. Very, very talented player. Has a relationship with Khalid Kareem obviously, mm-hmm. which mattered. Very similar player to Khalid Kareem in a lot of ways. Had a chance to break down his film on Saturday Night Ryan on the show. Wanted to give you a chance to kind of, number one, just give some quick thoughts on what you think of him as a player. But number two, you've had a chance to speak with Brandon yep. since the visit, and I really want you to kind of share what that conversation was like, especially the part uh, about – there's two parts I want to talk about. Number one is obviously the comments about his dad, and then number two, uh, his, his comments on Al Washington because – uh, we're we've got some D line updates. We're not going to talk about him in the show. We got some D line updates on the on the message board and our intel piece. Uh, Al Washington is absolutely crushing it right now. But let's talk a little bit about Brandis, Brandon Davis Wayne. First of all, Ryan, what kind of player do you see Notre Dame getting in him? I mean, for a sophomore, already listed at six four two forty. I mean, this kid I think could hold. A, I mean, he he might have another growth spurt. Like this kid might be six five six six with long arms before too long from now. And he's got a body where I think that he could be a strong side defensive end, but he could also just be an interior player. Like this could be that swing guy, similarly to how we think of a Jason Moore or a Brandon Vernon. Like I think that that is the stylistic, what you're looking at with this player. And you see him rush inside a ton. I think he has really nice length. I think he has a good first step. And I think he's a good athlete, especially rushing from the interior. And I think there's a lot of upside to a guy like Davis Swain and you spoke to him. I mean, he's a kid that just got his offer on the 18th of last month. So it hasn't been that long, right around the pot of gold kind of, you know, offer extravaganza. And quickly, not only does he make it up to Notre Dame, but he commits. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to say instantly, but as soon as he gets a chance to sit down with Coach Washington, like you said, and that seems like a lot of these 2024 kids are, you know, kind of consistent with, I want to take my time with this, right? Like, this is brand new to me. For Brandon, like, this was an easy one for him, man. Like, he, you just checked so many different boxes that he's just like, I don't understand what I need to think about anymore, right? Like, I made the I made the decision right there, and he talked about his dad. I mean, he makes the decision to commit, and his dad just has tears in his eyes. And I want to get kind of the backstory on that because, obviously, he was – and tears of joy, just to put that out there. Like, it's not a state of Michigan, and he's sad that he's going to Notre Dame type of thing, right? Like, he is very – very happy for his son, obviously, making that decision. And he talked about Al Washington glowingly, both to me and Sean. And it, it's one of those things where it's unprompted. Like, you just ask, what were some of the key reasons that you picked Notre Dame? Why, you know, what was it that stood out about the program? And instantly, it's like, 
I love the program already. I love the school. The coaches are great. You know, you see all the cliche things. And then he's like, Al Washington put it over the top for me. Mm-hmm. Like, that was it, man. Like, as soon as I sat down and talked to him, I was I was good. I didn't need to see anything yeah. anymore, right? We so hear that he, a lot. Yeah. We hear that a lot. With so, <laughs> certainly do, man. And people were freaking out, you know, will there be decommitments on the defensive line? Well, Al Washington quieted that thing pretty quickly as well. He goes into this visit, knocked it out of the park with Brandon Davis Swain first. Commitment in the 2024 class is a four-star defensive lineman, top 100 kid out of the state of Michigan. Pretty sweet first start for Al Washington, getting his first commit and the first 2024 commit. So, and outstanding story. Want to get the backstory, obviously, from the dad's perspective on the commitment, but you have to feel great about Al Washington as as a recruiter, even before this, but especially being able to land this caliber of a player this quickly, only a few weeks after offering him. And what a great moment for Brandon, man. Like, honestly, just a really cool moment to be able to make such a quick decision because it is the right fit for him. Did you talk about his dad? Yes. Like, I mean, that's just like, to me, you hear that, you're like, I'm not a parent, so I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't fathom what that's like, but just to be like, you know, the the hard work and, and to, and because a lot of parents, especially dads, understand what going to Notre Dame means about your son, not even from a football standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't just have a great athlete in my home. I have someone who's done things the right way in other ways because Notre Dame doesn't just take anybody. And that was the cool thing for me. And you're talking about his dad tearing up, you know, like I like if you watch this kid's play, I, I have a feeling his dad's a pretty tough guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> this kid's a really good football player. But got, you hear he, stuff like he's that. got that and, size and physicality yeah, from somewhere. It just doesn't great appear. hands. I mean, great <laughs> yes. hands. But I just uh, that was that's that's the stuff that you kind of love to hear about in 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 this recruiting class, right? At this point in time, Ryan, I'm about to let you do the rest of the show because uh, John Mayo said Brian, they are having a special promo at Walgreens for Mountain Dew. Buy one twenty four pack, get one free. I got to go shopping. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, Kenny Moore said Al Washington made me get over losing Elson quick. Uh, there, there's no doubt, and this is why we we said. I mean, the one thing we felt coming in about our Washington is the recruiting part was going to be fine. Right. I, I, I don't th- – Ryan, this is me speculating. I want to get your thoughts on this. I It can't hurt to have watched how the D-line looked on Saturday without one of their best players even being there in Jason Adamiola. Wow. I mean, to watch – I mean, the hand play, the technique, the aggressiveness, when you because that was their first chance to really see – some of these guys to really see Coach Washington's unit, that, that had to help. I mean, it couldn't hurt. To, to see how well I – because mean, they just looked like, okay, they've taken – even in 15 practices, there's, there's been a jump right, with this group. And and that's pretty good because, look, I mean, obviously we don't like the Mike Elsons at Michigan and we dislike Michigan greatly, but it doesn't all of a sudden make us look back and change the job that Mike Elson did. The job he did is the job he did, and it was impressive. For sure. You know, uh, but to see j- improvement on that in a short period of time is like, okay, yeah, this 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 may be the steal, right? This may be a steal that Marcus Freeman was able to get him, and certainly on the recruiting trail, it's having a big impact, and uh, it's going to continue to have a big impact, which you can find on the message board here, no doubt about it. So, I, I Ryan, we we got a lot of questions. Are you mm-hmm. good uh, jumping into some questions? We have some tw- there's it. some 2024 stuff that we'll we'll talk about later because it's it's their stories are going to be out, but yeah, one of the top running backs on the board in 2024 was on campus with Corey Smith. 
Uh, Ryan has an update on the on the front page of IrishBreakdown.com on that, so you can check that out. And we'll have a we'll have a story up here tomorrow, probably tomorrow, on the the tight end that visited Notre Dame this weekend too. And I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his last name. Puccinelli. Uh, Puccinelli. Okay. It's Luca. Lucas, right? Luca. Luca, Luca. Puccinelli. Okay. Yep. Uh, big kid. There are three or four tight ends that are that are considered top guys that basically Notre Dame right now gets to choose which one they want. I mean that's that's pretty <laughs> much where it is right now. So we'll talk about that more later. But I did want to I did want to get to some questions because we have a lot of great questions here, Ryan. So I wanna I, I wanna I wanna get to that. So let's just start off at the top. MT forty one is Notre Dame still in a good place with Samuel Mpemba? As far as we know, I mean, last thing we've heard is it's kind of been a recurring theme, right? Like that Tate and Pemba's like Notre Dame for a long time. It's it's just a simple fact, MT41, that I'm not gonna feel good about that one until I understand exactly what it what a date is, when is that when is the timeline, like what what are certain things because Samuel's kind of he, he's a little bit of a you know private person as far as his recruitment. He doesn't talk to a ton of people. So Notre Dame's in a good position now, but until I have a, a some clarification on when that one ends, I'm not going to feel great about it. But I still I do feel good about where they are. Yeah. But when is it going to end? Is my biggest question. Yeah, Ryan, I, I I told you last night. We talked about him last night. Yeah. I feel like he loves Notre Dame. There's sure. just something missing for me that makes me have pause about whether or not he's actually going to pick Notre Dame in the end. Because this kid loves the school doesn't mean he's going to pick the school. I mean, sure. just the school I love may not always be the school that's best for me. I think it is. But there's just something about just some things. And, and none of it's bad about him. None of it's bad about him. It's just more of like, okay, is is maybe it's just the fit or the need or, you know, at other places maybe better. Just, you know, does he want to stay south? I mean, I just think there's a lot of things that give me enough pause to say, look, they're in a great spot. But if I had to make a prediction today, I couldn't tell you where he's going to go. But if you were going to say, well, what about Notre Dame? I'd say, yeah, it makes sense. But I just, I just, I'm, I'm not there yet. I need to, like you said, I need to see more. I'm just not there yet. I'm not sold. I want to see him get back for an official and all that other kind of stuff. I'm just not quite sold yet that 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 one's going to end the way that that we hope it is. We've got some Cardinal Tate questions. We'll, we'll get to those. Has the staff t- Sean Higgins? Thank you. Has the staff turned down the turned down the heat on Tate given the recent intel? Or are they still making him a priority, Ryan? As far as we know, uh, they're 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 still making him a priority, and they should. I mean, sure. Until he tells you no, you mm-hmm. keep recruiting him. Yeah. Good. What good staffs will do, however, is they'll also keep the heat up on other guys right and they're not going to hold a spot for him for two reasons number one is because they they know where they stand with him i think and number two because at the end of the day if he decides down the road he wants to come you make a spot for him right. <laughs> I mean, you know so there you don't hold a spot for him but you know if he decides he wants to come later you, you take him mm-hmm. but there's uh, plenty of other players on the board that aren't playing these games mm-hmm. that i think that they're like look uh, yeah, he he may be this, but there's these other kids that that may be better fits and are looking for more of the things that that Notre Dame is is kind of is kind of all about. I want to get down to this. I think there was another Cardinal Tate question down here, Ryan, that I wanted to see if I can follow. Okay, here Kevin Carter asked, "Do the Irish keep pushing for Tate? Do they move on to Williams, or are they already recruiting him hard? Uh, they're not recruiting Tyler Williams hard yet because there had there's been a difficulty." connecting he's just apparently not a real doesn't really engage in the recruiting process a whole lot which 
hard to really know, you know, recruit a kid hard if there's not that relationship there. So they're working on it. Look, I I don't think it's an either or right Uh for me. I don't think you have to, okay, are are you going to push on Tate or are you going to go after this kid? Both. That's what the best programs do. Right. And it's a fair question, but I mean, that's the thing is like, okay, you push for Tate or do you push for great house? Well, both both yeah they're right they're both really good players carnell carnell tate's a good enough player where we've talked about is it four receivers is it five receivers well it could be five if carnell if you have four great receivers and carnell tate still wants to come like you don't have to make the decision there i mean carnell tate's a good enough player where you're always going to take him if he wants to come right exactly exactly and that's the thing that's the thing we all gonna understand is like you don't have to sacrifice one or the other now if you drop a kid it does allow you to maybe focus more of your resources on that but as we've seen, Notre Dame is not having a problem right now committing enough resources and time to the other recruits either. And I think that they – because I do think they understand where they go. Brian Hockney, I'll let you answer this one, Ryan. What are the chances with Caleb Downs? Look, Brian, I mean, on the board, obviously, we had a nice little update about, you know, it's seeming that Notre Dame may be in a better position with Caleb Downs than we originally thought. And he's, I- he is going to come back for an official in June which will be right. like, what, visit number four? Something right? like that, yeah. Five, yeah. something like that, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, I'm going to be cautiously, cautiously optimistic is the way I'll phrase this. I still don't buy it completely that it's the – that it is – I mean, I don't think Notre Dame's the number one team for him. I, I still think he's going to be a very tough pull out of the out of the southeast. Like, I really do. So – you can be cautiously optimistic. It's great that he's already scheduled another visit to come back on campus. All that stuff is pointing in the right direction. But as we stand right now, I still don't think it's great chances. I don't. I, I need to see more. I need to see more. I think they're in the mix. I think they're a player for him. They've always been a player for him. That's why he's making now his third and fourth visits to campus. But I think he likes a lot about what Notre Dame stands for. Agree. But it's kind of like what I said in Pemba. Just because a kid loves a school doesn't mean that's the school he's going to choose. And this is what I think people need to understand is kids can only pick one school, but it doesn't mean there's only one school for every kid that just is a no-brainer. That's where I'm going. Some of these kids have a really hard time saying no to another school. And I think that they – I've heard that Chris O'Leary's doing a great job in that recruitment. I've heard Marcus Freeman's doing a great job in that recruitment. I think since his dad is a college coach, He's very familiar with Al Golden's reputation as a coach, and all those things are great. From everything we've been told, the academics are very important. Uh, from what you know, there's all types of things that are in Notre Dame's favor. But again, until I'm just not going to feel comfortable with this one until I hear he's going to pick Notre Dame. Like I'm just, I'm not there. It's all great, but we've never thought that he didn't like Notre Dame. It's just. I don't see him picking Notre Dame and and until I have more reason to think otherwise, but look, I'll say this, Ryan, like a little bit of my skepticism gets chipped away every time he comes to campus. Sure. Right. And he's going to be back in June. And we've said, we've said this a few weeks ago, the June 10th is the weekend that they Mm -hmm. plan to have sort of like their big recruiting weekend. So we'll see. I mean, we've already, I mean, a bunch of committed kids have already scheduled. I think Cooper Flanagan's coming that weekend. Brennan Vernon's yep. coming that weekend. I, I, I think Keon is scheduled for that weekend, but I'm not 100% certain on that one. Yeah. Um, and then and then guys like Rico Flores have already verified that they'll be right, there uncommitted. Right. Yep. So, I mean, but the point is like all the committed kids are going to be there because that's the weekend they're trying. I mean, Monroe, Monroe Freeling, Caleb Down. There's a lot of kids scheduled for that weekend. That's going to be the big weekend. And that's going to be great. And 
as long as the kid is still talking to you and visiting, you have a chance. But I have to be honest and and that there's nothing that I've heard from any of my sources that makes it seem that they feel at the end of the day, they're going to get him, but they, there's a reason they still recruit him because they think they're in the game. Now the counter to that is this kid just doesn't talk, (laughs) right? Like he doesn't talk to the media. He doesn't like doing interviews at all. Completely (laughs) out of the process, which that is where you could say, okay, there may be something going on that we don't know about yet. And, and, you know, cause like, Talking to some of the recruits, like they feel the Notre Dame recruits think they have a great shot at Caleb Downs. Full disclosure. But I've been doing this long enough to know that that doesn't always mean that the kids, you know what I mean? Like that's not always the best barometer where they think the kid is leaning as opposed to the kid telling them I'm coming. Right. Those are two different things. But I, I sure, I sure hope they're right. I right. sure hope they're right. Definitely, because he is. Caleb, I mean, he's, he's a top a ten player in this class, in my no opinion. Doubt. There's like, only, he's not lying. There's only there. He's in the. If they get everybody they want, everybody they want. If Notre Dame bats a thousand from here on out, he's one of the three best players in this class easily, Agreed. along with Keon and Dante. Agree easily, and and he's a program changer. I mean, in 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 a lot of ways. You know, because he's just, I mean, especially if you can get him with a Don Schuler and, and Peyton Bowen in the same class. Yeah. That's a. Whew. He's like, man, Caleb Downs, the guy that keeps coming to mind, Brian, I don't know if you like this comp, but like Eric Berry just pops in my head every single time taller. I watch that kid. He's taller. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. He's a taller version of Eric Berry. Yeah. Yeah. Because he can run, he can hit, he's thicker than Eric Berry was at the same age. He's super instinctive. So you're absolutely right. I mean, I get why fans are, and, and Corey D said it, you know, getting Caleb Downs, which will be tough, would resonate throughout college football. And and he's spot on. Mm-hmm. If you were able to get two five-star players from the Southeast in the same class, Keon Keeley and and him, and then get a, a, a guy that we think maybe could end up being a five-star by the time his senior is over and Peyton Bowen out of Texas, you're talking about this defensive staff doing some crazy stuff. You yeah. went into Ohio State's backyard and got a kid that they wanted from an Ohio public school and Brendan Vernon. You know, I mean, you talk about, you know, going into to the DMV and, and hopefully getting some guys from there that are big time recruits. I mean, this staff is doing some scary good things. So I'll be honest with you. A year ago, I just said they got no chance to get Caleb Downs. Like, <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about him anymore. I, I'm, I mean, guys, he's not coming to Notre Dame. I'm, I'm serious. Two years ago, I, I, I wouldn't even brought up this question. Well, n- for two reasons. One, we didn't have a YouTube show two years ago. And two, <laughs> because before Marcus Freeman showed up, this is just the kind of kid that they didn't have a, a shot at. Because, again, this is a different deal than Kyle Hamilton, right? Kyle Hamilton was a private school kid. There was just a, it was just, He wasn't the big-time – Kyle didn't become a big-time recruit until his senior year, like late junior, senior year. Mm-hmm. Caleb Downs has been a big-time kid for a while now. Yeah. And it's just not the kind of kid that you get out of that area, public school kid and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I would say, yes, they have done a great, but that's, that's the thing about this staff that this staff gives them chances that I think in the past they wouldn't have had. Jacob Watson said, I'd be staff. Thanks for all the hard work you put in the past weekend. You're welcome. What were some things from the spring game you saw that you were hoping to see what recruits seemed the most impacted by the visit? Let's answer the first one, Ryan. What were some things from the spring game you saw that you were hoping to see? I'll let you answer this because I did a whole hour plus long show on the spring game on Saturday night. 
I mean, I think first and foremost, it was a great crowd, like you said. Two hundred, uh, near three hundred alumni were there. I think that was absolutely huge from the recruiting side of things, and just from like the general, you know, just perspective of bringing, you know, bringing that tradition back even more to a highlight that type of stuff. So I think those two things were huge, and I think you know you talked about it a little bit from a playing perspective. I feel gr- I feel good about. Al Golden's touch on that defense, man. Like, I really do. I think that was a really solid step. We're not going to overanalyze a a spring game too much, but seeing how that defensive line was flying around, seeing how that defense was flying around in general, there were, he showed a little bit during that game. You know, it wasn't very simplistic and wasn't basic. Like, he showed a little bit on defense, and I thought the defense just played so fast. So, I really liked the just the kind of tempo that you saw a little bit in that spring game and their sloppiness, of course, on both sides of the ball. There's always going to be in those types of settings. But I liked how the, I thought the team in general just moved around very fast, especially on the defensive side of the football. I love the alumni touch, and I thought that you know it was a it was a great crowd just in general, and it was a beautiful day outside. So I, all accounts, man, it was a really successful weekend. What recruit seemed the most impacted by the visit? I'm going to say Sullivan Absher, mm-hmm. and you tell me if I'm correct or in, or if you'd go in a different direction. I might go Rodney Gallagher. Let me say, let me explain. I should probably explain sure. why. Yep. Here's why Gallagher to me was wide open. Great house was looking for reasons to like Notre Dame. Those are the three. I think they made the biggest move with, because you said Freeling that we, we felt they already led for Absher. Mm-hmm. We thought was gone. And that's why I would say for me, he is the guy they made the biggest Cause you, they went from unknown to leader kid looking for him to leader to this kid is yeah we don't think they're going to get him to yeah we we think they're going to get him now that's fair that's fair i i think i think what made me think gallagher was just again that quote of you know this just surprised me right like that was kind of like one of my favorite quotes from the weekend but yeah i mean i guess if we're going from the biggest flip around i guess it has to be Sullivan absher because i mean i've been very consistent for months now I didn't love where they were, and now I'm leaving right. feeling good about where they are. So, yeah, yeah, I accept that premise. I accept it, and I would say Rodney Gallagher would be the second guy then on that list and that premise. Yeah, I would. I would go with you on that. Yeah, yeah, I would go with you on that. I think that's a good, a good number two. Because again, I think Jaden Greathouse came into this visit looking for a reason to be impressed by Notre Dame. Agreed. Right? Is that fair? And I think he found it. <laughs> he found plenty <laughs> of them. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Creaky, do you get the feeling that this recruitment train is about to pick up steam all of a sudden? I don't think it's – yes, I think it's going to pick up steam, but I want to make sure that we're, we're clear. We wrote an article, and we talked at the beginning of the month of April. That April was a very important month for Notre Dame. And it wasn't just about getting kids, right? They've got – 
one commitment so far in 22, one in 23, one in 24. We'll see if they can pick up another one, another couple here by the end of the month, which is possible. We'll see. But it was part of it was also laying the foundation for future success. So if kids pop in May, it's not all of a sudden it's, it's been really building to this. So I think, I think that is more how I would describe it than I'm with you until the all of a sudden part. I, and now it could look like that from the outside because like, Oh wow. They just like in the last couple of weeks, they just landed like five kids, but it's not all of a sudden. That's my only little thing. But I think the overall theme of what you're saying is spot on in my opinion. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree with that. I would say that we we went through a little bit of a period where obviously the coaches were on the road. We hit a dead period, and then we hit the, the period where now players are coming to visit campus a ton. So that is a kind of a string of usually it's a little bit quiet, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's where I agree with you. The last little all, all of a sudden, I mean, the, the groundwork has been being laid for a long time with these players. This wasn't something that just happened. Why do we feel – I mean, why, I mean, honestly, like I talked about cautiously optimistic. I felt solidly about Jaden Greathouse going into the into the visit because I felt mm-hmm. that they had done a great job with him over the phone in, in the virtual sense, right? right? But now getting him to campus, that's where things seem like they, quote-unquote, pick up. But, I mean, that groundwork has been laid. It's just become tangible because you kind of sell it firsthand, right? So I agree. I, I think it's I think it's the train is, is taking off right now, but I, I don't think that it's all of a sudden. I think that the groundwork has been being laid for a long time on that front. Okay, let's get to Zach Martin's question. Zach says, do you think getting Brandon Davis Swain committed this? I don't want to say BDS because that sounds like some like religious organization. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Yeah. It's like man, BDS. Okay, Brandon Davis Swain committing this early for the 2024 cycle is a trend or the outlier? Um, I mean, outlier? I, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'd just trying to think go, of the- I'd kind of go somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I don't think that they're pushing for 2024 kids right now. No, but I also think there's some 2024 kids that would like Notre Dame a lot. Sure, and I wouldn't see if I wouldn't be surprised seeing a few of them commit this summer. Like, I mean, you know, their first commitment last year was what in June? They got Keon Keeley and and uh, Brennan Vernon back to back days. Mm-hmm. And and so we're not that far away from when the 2024 process starts, right? I think that that you know we could maybe see an offensive lineman because I, I I do think in 24 that there are some kids in 24 that may react to what's happening in 23. It's fair, yeah. You know, like, like the, I yeah, need the to momentum. Sure I let them know that I want to be part. You know what I mean? Like maybe they may take one less guy if they know that I'm coming. That's fair. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I. I I would say it's not a trend because we don't expect like five kids from 24 to commit in the next month. No, but it's also not an outlier in that. I do think in the next few months, we will see a couple more kids from 24 jump on board. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm not fully onto the outlier side, but like, I guess I'm a little closer to that just because of the timing. I mean, we're still in the spring of his sophomore year, less Mm -hmm. than a, less than a month and a half from getting his, getting his official offer. I mean, he just got his offer on March 18th. So this was a very quick turnaround. So I'll say it's closer to outliers, Zach, just for the simple fact of timing. I don't think that you're going to typically see this timing of a commit less than two months after getting that, that um, offer and still being in spring. So I think that is kind of a rarity to a degree, but I mean, it's a good start <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Andy Deeks says Sullivan Absher, Monroe Freeling, Sam Pendleton, Austin Saraville, Charles Jagus- Jagusa. 
is that the most likely or the most ideal O-line class or both? Or would they not take all five and stick with four? I'm going to just answer that last part, Ryan, first, and I'll let you answer the first two questions. Number one is Notre Dame would go to five on O-line in this class if it was the right five. Mm -hmm. There are seven players that I believe fit into that would be part of the right five. And all five of those guys are on that list. So they would take all five of those. Now to the, to the question, Ryan, and I'll ask you to answer this. Is that the most likely or most ideal offensive line class or both? I mean, it's, it's close to both. I would say the most, I mean, the most ideal is that you would have Samson Okalola in the conversation, right? Like that would be ideal. I, I do think that this is pretty likely though. I mean, like we've talked about, they're in a lead probably for, for Sullivan right now. Um, I'm sure they're in the lead probably for Freeland. They're in the lead for Pendleton. We believe we'll see tonight. Uh, if that is, if that is uh, verified, obviously we think that they're right at the top for, for Cerevelde and we think that they're in the lead for Jagasaw. So I think that's a pretty likely Andy one. I, I don't know if I would say it's, the ideal class, because I think that it's, I mean, like you would like Samson Okolola to be a part of that class. Like, let's not act like he's not a great football right. player, like 100% would. But I really like that feel of the five, Brian, because I mean, like if you got that five, let's say, Freeling at left tackle, Jagasaw and Sullivan Absher, right tackle, interior flex. Like, let's see what how that kind of works out. And then you have Pendleton and Cerevelde as your natural guys inside. That class fits really well together, in my opinion, right? Okay. So I think that that five is a, a pretty likely class. I mean, it's going to be hard to get all five, but Notre Dame's in great position with all five right now. So, yeah, I would say most likely, maybe not most ideal, though, just because I think that Okamola would be in the conversation if that was the case. I'm going to say it is ideal because I it's not about saying that Samson Okamola is an elite player. I, so far, he's still the best offensive tackle I've seen in the class. Sure. But I think it's a situation where it's not a miss if you don't get him because you're still getting at least two guys that I also view as top 50 caliber players. One for sure is in now, Monroe Freeling. The other will be in if he shows any kind of technical improvement whatsoever as a senior in Charles Jagusa. Uh, I think Sullivan Absher is a top 150 kind of kid for sure. I think Sam Pendleton is definitely a top 250 kind of kid. Saraveld is a top 250 kind of kid. The only kid that I would say I'm not sure if they're the leader for right now is Austin Saraveld, and that's just because he kind of stopped talking a little bit. So I know Ohio State feels good about where they are with him. Mm -hmm. He'd be the only one that I'd be uncertain of as far as – so that's why I would say – that's why I would not go with it being ideal uh, or most likely because I'm – just because I'm still uncertain of where they are with Austin Saraveld. Now, would I be shocked if they got him? No. I'm I'm simply saying I'm not going to tell you they're going to get a kid if I don't have confidence that they're going to get a kid. And right now, I haven't heard enough to make me feel like yes, they're going to get that kid. I've heard that you know that they think he likes them, and he said that. But it, again, it's different than saying he likes them and they're going to get them. That's two different things, and I'm just not quite as comfortable there as as I am with maybe some other kids. And mm-hmm. so in like, Irish Natty within three years said the same thing. I still want Samson Oak and, Oak and Lola hoping for a miracle. I, look, there's nobody that doesn't want that kid in the class. It's just understanding that like, A, I don't see it happening. And then B, sometimes we focus so much on who we want them to get that we don't appreciate how good the class that they would get is. Yep. And the class that we talked about before would be a phenomenal class. 99 props, BK ain't one. Realistically, can't believe that's an accurate term. 
a wide receiver class of James Gallagher, great house, and say one more, Mike Tees maybe. When is the last wide receiver class Notre Dame got a group that good? First of all, I think the fourth guy would be Ronan Hannafin. I think he would be the guy that I would say would, would be in there, Ryan. But let's let's answer that question. When would What would be your answer to that? I mean, it's got to be one of the best in recent years, right? Like, I'm trying to rack my brain for a second here. I mean, that is – not only is that a great class, it's – I mean, with I mean, because you have Braylon James, who's a top 100 player, mm-hmm. Ronnie Gallagher, who's borderline top 100 player, Jaden Greathouse, who's a top 100 player, and then Ronan Hannafin, who – I mean, that all he has the best offer list probably of all four of those yeah. guys, right? So, yeah. I mean, it's an impressive class, and they all fit so well together in my opinion. Right. Braylon James is kind of that – Super athletic, long guy who's still grown into his body a little bit, a little bit raw, but the upside is tremendous. Ronnie Gallagher is that true slot player who can make guys look silly in space. Jaden Greathouse is a refined technician that is advanced for his age. Maybe the upside isn't nearly as high as a Braylon James, obviously, but like he's going to play football at the next level. And then Ronan Hannafin, I mean, the kid, I mean, I feel like we overlook him so much, but he's six two, six three and runs in the four fours. Like he, yeah. it's a really good athlete, well, man. There's reasons why I mean Brian Smith, when we were talk after the uh, the Braylon James thing, said it. I mean, that he to me expressed one of the two main reasons why we don't talk a lot about why people don't have the excitement about Ronan Hannafin that they do about James Gallagher Greathouse. Right. And the one he's referring to is the kids from Massachusetts. And you just you don't you don't you can't point to a lot of kids from Massachusetts that were great athletes that end up being great players. And then there's another reason why some people don't view him in the same level. We'll need to get into that in the show. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. But you're correct. He's a big time player. I will say this. I mean, that's three top hundred kids in that group right there. Borderline mm-hmm. top hundred kids at, at the very least. Uh, I, I think Ronan Hannafin's a top one fifty kid. That'd be a heck of a class. There's only two classes in my opinion the last decade that are that it can it can compete with it. The 15 and 16 classes back to back were really good. In 2015, they got Equinemius St. Brown, Miles Boykin, CJ Sanders, and Jalen Guyton. I love Jalen Guyton coming to high school. And right now, Jalen Guyton's the best NFL player of that group. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, CJ Sanders was a dynamic return man. We know about Miles Boykin and, and Equinemius St. Brown. And then a year later, I think is the best three man class they've gotten. And that's Javon McKinley, Chase Claypool, and Kevin Sefferson. I mean, Javon McKinley was even better as a junior than Jaden Greathouse was. I mean, John Javon McKinley's a junior playing in L.A. They played modern day. They played not modern day. They played Sir, mm, Servite, I think. They played Bishop Amat. They played De La Salle in the playoffs. In the in the high school playoffs as a junior, Javon McKinley had over fifty catches for a thousand yards and over ten touchdowns in the playoffs. He was man. Oh, and, his, he, and he returned a kick for a touchdown against De La Salle in the state title game. He made some silly one-handed catches in high school. He was man, like stupid. some of them were just I mean, ridiculous. Yeah. He was an exceptional high school football player. Now he had some injuries and some other things that kept him from becoming that kind of player. But from a recruiting standpoint, I think some of us forget just how good Javon McKinley was coming out of high school. He was a monster. If you think Jade, if you think Jaden Greathouse's numbers last year were sick. Go back and look and see what Javon – again, he played a centennial. He played against L.A. schools, right? I mean, I'm, I'm going to pull this up because I want to I want to discuss this because I, I don't think – I mean, the, the numbers he put up as a as – a, I'm going to pull this up here real quick because the numbers he put up as a junior in the playoffs were just so stupid that they have to be we have to we have to discuss this further. So let let me pull up Javon's junior year so I can give you all a, a sense of this one. So this is what he did in the playoffs. 
He had five catches for 116 yards against Norco. Okay, actually, is that no? That's his. That's his, is that his junior? Hold on a second. Let me let me make sure I'm at the right year. Okay, yes. Here we go. Okay, so I have it here. Okay, so he he. This is the playoffs for Javon. Five catches for 116 yards against Norco. 14 catches for 240 yards against uh, Gardena Sarah. I believe that year they had three kids at DBs ended up going playing power five football. Six catches for 187 yards and a touchdown against Modern Day in a win. 11 catches for 282 yards and three touchdowns against Bishop Amat. And then 13 catches for 151 yards and a touchdown against St. John Bosco. And then they don't have his numbers for the De La Salle game on there. He had, I think, about 100 yards receiving against De La Salle and a loss, but he returned a kickoff 90 yards for a touchdown against De La Salle. That, that's insane. Think about who I just mentioned. He had uh, 13 catches for 151 yards against Bosco. He had six catches of 187 yards against Modern Day and 11 catches for 282 yards against Bishop Amat in the playoffs. So I got to give that class. And they also had Chase Claypool. And I don't know what you thought of Kevin Stepherson coming out of high school. I know you loved him in Notre Dame. I loved Kevin Stepherson in high school. So I think those two classes are in the conversation. But this cl- that class right there would have a really good argument to make. And here's the thing, though. We're going off of that class based on what we saw over four years. Sure. This class hasn't even played their senior years yet. Yep. So it, it'll have a chance. It'll, it'll definitely have a chance to, to, to be there. Let's get to a couple more here. Uh, Brandon Plansner with a super chat. Thank you, Brandon. Do you think the staff would take all five of Absher, Saraville, uh, Pendleton, Jagusa, or J- J- uh, Jagusa, and Freeling if they all wanted in the class? We've kind of talked yes. about it earlier, Brandon, but I wanted to bring it up since you did give us a super chat. I do believe they would take all five of those. I do, however, think that there's a chance. And I don't say what the order is, but there's a chance that if one of those guys was the fifth guy to decide, they may say, we're going to hold off. There's a chance. But from what I'm told, I believe they would like all five of those guys to be in the class. And then let's get <laughs> – this is in response to our comment, or, and, and I think this nails it, Ryan. Matt yeah. S. says, can it really be going this well? That's the indie fan in you. And and somebody else brought up, you know, because of the past. And he's absolutely right. I, I mean, that's where I'm at. Like, I don't think Alabama fans have the same – wait a minute, this can't – Things can't be this good, right? When when you have the kind of report, they just kind of expect that. But like as a Notre Dame fan, I'm like, hold on a second. Like, there's got to be more to it than this, right? Like, there's got to be something negative that we're not that we're not hearing, or something bad's going to happen, right? Like, there's got to be more to it than this. It, it's how it is, man. I'm telling you, I'm, I feel like I'm a naturally, and I, I mean, Brian, you give me your opinion on this. I, I think I'm a naturally optimistic person, though. I really do feel mm-hmm. like I am like that, but. The Notre Dame fan in me is somewhat of a pessimistic. Now, here's the question, Ryan. Let's see (laughs) if you feel that way when you're my age, right? Because when I was your age, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, let's do it." But yeah, well, time will do that to you. Hopefully, Notre Dame wins a couple national championships before before I reach your age, and then we'll we'll be all right. We'll be good to go. Yeah, but I mean, look, I get it. I Mm -hmm. I really, I I really get it because I just I. We're, we're both I mean, Notre Dame fans. Of course we yeah, get it. We get right. it. I mean, we've lived it, right? This is exactly this isn't just a job. You know what I mean? It's 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 we it's a job, it's a job, and we try to be professionals, but it's also the team that we grew up loving. And I mean, I mean, think about the stories me and your dad were having, because 
I feel like me and your dad kind of share some memories that you weren't able to share as Notre Dame fans. But, you know, it's 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 been that part of my life, a whole life. But after Davey and Willingham and Weiss and then BK, and you're just kind of like waiting on that, you know, that football to be pulled out, you know, the Charlie Brown Lucy <laughs> moment. And that's honestly why I was like, we got to find something. We got to find some not good news to put out in this update. And it was just like, okay, right now I have don't have any. I mean, it just – it's it's really ridiculous. De asks, "Is there anything on Keon?" We do have some stuff on Keon, but we want to keep that on the message board. Mm-hmm. I just feel like with the type of news that it is, and just you know, just wanting to hear more, get more intel before we really go public with it. It's good news, but I just wanted to to kind of get there. Let's see if we got any more recruiting questions because I want to make sure we get all these before you go because I'm going to answer some team questions, Ryan. Because I know you got to leave. You got. When y'all, this is draft week, so this is kind of <laughs> Ryan's like you know his draft stuff is is his is his money week. Ninety nine. This is a good one, Ryan. I want to ask you this. Ninety nine mm-hmm. props. BK ain't one. I know this is premature speculation, but if somehow Notre Dame actually got Caleb Downs, would you give Peyton Bone a look at corner? That would let you get Downs and the current commits on the field at the same time. The the answer is yes. I have yes. two thoughts on this. So I, go I mean, ahead, Ryan. I mean, it would open up the conversation if nothing else. Yeah, I mean. I, We've talked about this before. I think that Peyton Bowen could be a really good corner. I really, I mean, he's athletic, he's long, he's explosive, he has good mirror matchability. Like he could play. We've talked about like, can he play in the nickel at the next level? And like the answer is yes, because I think he has all the movement skills. I don't think that I don't think it forces that you definitely do it, but I think it opens the conversation because I I think Peyton Bowen could be a really good cornerback at the next level. So yeah, I would consider it for sure. Not saying I would necessarily make it happen. But it would be on it would be on the back of my mind. There's no doubt. Yeah, I would I would go two ways with it. I would say if you got Caleb Downs, I would say this, Ryan, and I, I want to know your opinion on this. So I'm gonna say it and I want you to immediately respond. No time to think. Okay. I would consider I would I would possibly consider both of them. One, both of them between both of them giving one of them a shot. Because I think Caleb Downs, depending on what kind of scheme you want to play, could be one heck of a field cornerback. Get more That's, off coverage, more range, mm-hmm. not so much press man. I, I I could see a scenario where that could be true as well because he moves he moves well enough to play corner. Uh, I, no, it's it's fair. I think both guys have the athletic upside and body types to do work at corner. Like I like I said before, I would just say that I do think that Peyton Bowen projects maybe more favorably to the cornerback position. But yeah, I mean both guys can definitely. I mean Caleb Downs can play any spot in the secondary. Easily, mm-hmm. like I mean, he's that type of athlete. He's that type of, of student, student of the game. Like he has incredible instincts for the position of safety. That's why I kind of would rather keep him there. But athletically speaking, size profile, all that type of things, he could be a really good corner. There's no doubt in my mind. Yep. All right, here's one, Ryan. We'll kind of get to here, Brian and or Ryan. With the signals that you both have been getting, are you surprised by the lack of public commitments, or do you have a reason or speculation on why? I'll answer this first, Ryan. Sure, I am surprised by the lack of public commitments. And if y'all knew what we knew, you'd be wanting to freaking pull your hair out right now uh, with the lack of public commitments this month. I, but it's here's the thing. This is this is why I'm not concerned about it though. It's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. kids there's just not a lot of kids committing right now and i i couldn't tell you what the reason is i mean i can speculate but i don't know i think i think it's a pushback over how quickly things got sped up the last two years with kids committing super super early 
I think part of it is schools, not ne- some schools, not necessarily pushing kids as much because of their, some schools, especially like in the SEC, they're riding the, the transfer portal hard, which means they're going to take less high school kids. And this is one thing I said could be a benefit to Notre Dame. Bama may start taking smaller classes because they're going to start dipping into the transfer portal more, which means maybe there's a kid or two that Bama might have got in high school that they may not take now, or at least you can they may not push early for that you can take that kind of scenario. And I think and I and I do think the NIL stuff is part of the hesitation too, because kids at least want to see, okay, what's out there. Not so much in the enticement standpoint, but just what are the opportunities that are there for me if I come to your school, which I think is a every kid sh- that's a big time kid should be asking that. I don't think you should base your decision off that. But with NIL being a real thing, you darn well better have conversations about, okay, Notre Dame, if I come to your school, what are the opportunities for me? Not guarantees, but what are the opportunities? And so I think all of those things are factoring in. And I think more and more kids are being advised correctly to make sure you see every every place first. And then the final thing is, I know this for a fact, Notre Dame's not pushing any of these kids to go public. None of them. And that's the piece too. And and so I, I kind of dropped some hints there of, of what's going on. But yes, it, it was a little frustrating because it's like the perception gets built. And I don't know if this has been going on other boards, but like on our board, like as if April was a disappointment. And I get it because we were talking about like, you know, five and a half commits. And right now they're at what, two, three, if you count 2022, but they're at three, really mm-hmm. two for high, you know, high school kids that are, you know, going to still be high school kids maybe they get another one or two before the end of the month, but you know, it's like, but it's like, but I want to be like, but y'all, I I mean, I can't say a lot, but they're, they're fine. They're they're fine. Just let it play out. Right. This is why I came up with the phrase and I used it a ton last summer. I'm going to start using it again. Let it play out. Right. Mm -hmm. Just let it play out. Cause things look, things look a little better than, than maybe you think. Yep. Yep. I mean, I mean, just to reiterate, like, yes, it's a little, I mean, it's frustrating. I want to share great news with everybody, obviously, right? right? That's the optimism perspective, but yes, it'll be all, it'll be good. It'll be good. But yes, I am surprised that some are not public commits. Yes. Yep. Ryan, I think you got to, you got to take off now for your interview. So I am going to stick around and there are some team questions there that I'm going to get to. So uh, I've got a few team questions starred. Ryan, we'll talk more about the spring game. I know people want to kind of get your thoughts on it. We're yep. going to have some team stuff here over the next couple of weeks, and those topics will get discussed. So Ryan will clearly have opportunities for that. But we wanted to focus his time today, for the most part, on recruiting. So we'll we'll get to that stuff down the road. So you go do what you got to do, and uh, we'll we'll jump to some of these team comments here as we wrap up the conversation. Rocky, Ro- Bobby Halfacre, Brian, please tell me I'm wrong. I know it was basically another practice, but other than the improvement of the O line, the offense looked bland. Defense stepping up. Love my Irish. Bobby, I wouldn't say that you're wrong, but I guess I wouldn't be upset about it. The offense was bland, but it was intentionally bland. I mean, we talked about this, and, and uh, I'm not sure if you were able to catch the show on Saturday night, but it was it was, it was was very clear that Tommy Reese, A, was working on a couple things, so they ran a lot of screens. That was clearly something they wanted to get some work on. They were working on some run game stuff, but th- this was a situation where they were they were – not showing much at all from a pass scheme standpoint, from what I know that Tommy Reese runs and likes to run and things like that. And they just didn't want to show a whole lot. So, and and then you've got a quarterback because the, the Buckner's injury, you got a quarterback who's running from, you know, team to team. And it just, it was intentionally bland. 
And but if you were at the game, and I'm and I'm curious if some of all, of you also saw this, there was plenty of times where guys were getting open. Again, not huge, huge openings, but open. If you throw the ball on time and accurately, you're going to get caught. So there were still opportunities there for more plays. I just didn't think the quarterback play was great, which there's a lot of questions about the quarterback that we're going to get into. David Solomon asks, and thank you for that question, Bobby. David Solomon asks, someone mentioned that the quarterback competition is having a really bad effect on Pine. I don't know if that is the case or not, but he was fundamentally unsound Saturday. He needs to relax and not try so hard. I think you kind of answered your own question on the last part, David, which is the he needs to relax and not try so hard. The relax and not try so hard has a lot to do with the fact that there's a quarterback competition, that he's in it. I don't think Drew was really in the quarterback competition last year. And we've said, we said this from day one. Jack Holmes was going to be the starter last year. If he was healthy, he's going to be the starter. It's a little different deal this year. And I do think Drew is pressing. And I think there's some more things going on. I just, just He looked off, just mentally, technically. He was showing things that we're just not used to Drew Pine saying. And we were told that he was that way all spring. That's not how he was last spring. It's not how he was last fall. So I don't know if there's something that we don't know about, but it was it was not what you ex- expect. Matt Sakalowski, I think, but has a really rational view is I'm sticking with Pine until he gives me a reason not to during a real game. And I think that's the thing is like, look, what matters more to you? What he did in a spring game with his jersey tucked way up here and, you know, running from team to team or what he did against Wisconsin in a real game, what he did against Cincinnati. I think that's kind of where I kind of come from a little bit on this. As well, DC Irish 1213. Brian, I rewatched the spring game and came away with a different opinion on Pine and Angeli and thought, with the exception of the interceptions, that Pine actually played very well. The defense just looks good. I'm going to strongly disagree on, on that one. And, and here's why. You know, the, the, we talked about the numbers like 22 of 33, but it was only for like 180 some yards. He was taking a lot of short throws. He was, he was very inaccurate, even on some balls that were caught. Throwing the ball over like running backs' heads, right? Throwing the ball three feet in front of a guy on a on a curl route. He's got Deion Colsey coming open for a touchdown in the middle of the field on the first uh, field goal drive. Deion's open. If he just puts it on Deion's chest or even at Deion's knees, that's a touchdown. But he throws it into the ground, and you had to settle for a field goal. So that's not a turnover play, but that's the kind of play that cost you four points. And it's a throw that I feel like in a game, Drew, in a real game, I feel like that's a throw Drew Pine would make, but he didn't make it on Saturday, and you can't just brush it off and like it's no big deal. There was a lot of throws like that. And here's the other thing, and I don't, I don't, I didn't pay attention to this on the TV copy because when I watch the TV copy, I'm I'm watching the box because I watch the back end and the receivers during the game, and then when I review it on the TV copy, I focus on the line because I can see all that when on the TV copy where I can't see what's going on down the field. So I don't know if the TV copy showed this or not. I didn't pay attention to that because I was looking at the lines, but if you go back and watch the game, there were guys coming open. Like I said, a decent amount. Braden Lindsay could have got two or three deep in cuts. Uh, he had a chance to hit Deion Colsey for what should have been a touchdown on a, on a bad read on a conversion route. He had Jaden Thomas running behind the defense and he underthrew it big time, allowed chance Tucker to break it up. There was four or five chances for, plays that could have got him at least another 80 90 yards passing and multiple scores and he missed and so you know he was accurate on the quick throws and the hitches and some of that stuff but he also missed some of those throws but it was the place he didn't try to make to me dc that made me feel like he didn't play well and and you know so i i don't care about the numbers the numbers don't tell the story he just he didn't push the ball downfield. He was inaccurate on any on on a lot of different throws, and even the the catch to Braden Lindsay that he caught 
the back short. That was that was more of a great catch by Brayden Lindsey than it was a great throw by Drew Pine. Now, am I freaking out about it? No, because we've seen Drew make a lot of those throws before in practice or in games. But we can't just dismiss it, and I'm not going to say he played well outside of three turnovers because, first of all, those turnovers were huge, right? You just said, well, other than the two turnovers, those are big. But I think there's more to it than that. But I, I do appreciate the fact, DC, that you're trying to look at this optimistically because there's a lot of people not doing that. And I actually really respect that and appreciate that. John Murray says, Brian, how would it work to keep Audric in for pass protection, then release to the flat, catch a short pass on the offside and run over a few guys? I mean, just how you said, I mean, I, I could see that. And this is what we, we talked about this, I think, a week or two ago. If he can step up and be great in pass pro, like be a force and pass pro i could see him being a third down guy for exactly what you just mentioned you know, he's not going to be running wheel a bunch of wheel routes and lining up in the slot and running corners and crossers but great in pass pro but then running those swing routes where he third and five he catches the ball at the you know yard behind the line of scrimmage and he's going to run a corner over and get to move the sticks or you know hit him on a, a little angle route like i remember that there was a, a play it was to tony jones jr i think it was against usc uh, in 2019, but he also did it, I think, against Virginia. That he, he did it a couple times. It did one against Wake Forest that uh, in 2018 that went for a big play, I believe. But he would just run like these little angle routes, right? Like arrow routes. People call them different things. I call them angle routes. But you just kind of go out and then come in underneath the linebacker and you hit him at two, three yards down the field and he catches it and you know, gets upfield and vertical. I mean, that's another route that I could see Audric Estime have because he catches the ball well for a back. So I could see that being part of of his repertoire, but it's going to have to begin with the pass pro, in my opinion. Uh, nothing personal says, from what I understand, the former regime was friendly to the former players coming back around, but Marcus Freeman went above and beyond to invite everybody back, hence the huge turnout. Not at all what I've heard. Uh, I don't know where you heard that, so I won't comment on on that other than I'll say, I know a lot of alums, uh, not just alums from the last decade, but alums from the Holtz era alums from the Charlie Weiss era alums from even before the Holtz era. And they absolutely did not feel welcome back. And I think people are kind of taking Aaron Taylor's words and turn them into a little bit more than, than, than he meant them. But the spirit of what he said is true that they did not feel welcome coming back. And I don't want to chalk this just up on Brian Kelly because this is true before Brian Kelly became the head coach. Charlie was not did not have an open environment, which surprised me when I've heard that over the years because you'd think an alum would be more open to other alums, but it wasn't the case. Davey wasn't that way. Now, Davies is a little different situation because a lot of the Lou guys were still playing in the NFL during Davies' tenure, so it's a, it's a little bit of a different situation, but there the, – the Holtz guys anyway, but like even then, like the guys that played before Holtz never felt like they would come back for like events, you know, so like we're going to honor the this team, but it wasn't just reaching out to guys just because, hey, we're not honoring you this weekend, but we'd love to have you back and, and really make you a priority. That's what Freeman has done. But beyond the events that were where we could kind of, you know, parade this championship team out in front of the crowd and that was really it, there wasn't as much from that. And there was a lot of players, former players of the Holtz era and before that did not have good feelings or good good uh, opinion of Brian Kelly. So I don't I don't think that would be accurate. VW804. Brian, who do you think is faster between the Rocket and Chris Tyree? Look, Chris Tyree is an explosive player. 
it's not close. It's rocket and it's not close. We've heard about his track times. I mean, they were absurd. Uh, his 40 times were absurd. And this is back in the eighties when we don't even, we don't have as much advancement even now from then in regards to nutrition and training and all that kind of stuff. Rocket is the most explosive college player I've ever seen still not just Notre Dame, but anybody. And, I mean, Will Fuller, John Ross, all of them. He's the most explosive college football player I've ever seen. And there's some great stories. I think it was Coach Freeman that was sharing those about uh, trying to, one of the press conferences he was talking about, you know, talking talking about they were asking him about, you know, like the 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 story about, you know, Bo Schimbecker. We've told this on the show before. Lou Samoji told me this. Say so knew a guy. I think it was Lou told me this. But, you know, Bo Schimbecker, I think they hadn't given up a touch, ever given up a kick return for a touchdown in his career, or it had been like a couple, like 20 years or something like that. And so he's like, we're not afraid to kick it to Rocket Ismail. And so 89, they kicked it off the rocket and start the game. He takes it back to the house and then they kick it to him again to start the second half. And he takes it back to the house. And, and then uh, coach Freeman was relaying the story about Miami in 1990 and, and Ed Orgeron, I believe, let me just look this up real quick, but I believe that's the team that Ed Orgeron was on that staff at Miami. And, and I believe it was that 1990 team. Yeah. He was at Miami from 88 to 92. So it would have been the 90 team. And Miami was like, we're not afraid of rocket. We're going to kick the rocket. Of course, he takes it back to the house. So a lot of people made that. A lot of people made that mistake with with rocket and smell. There's there's no doubt about it. Uh, Corey D with a super chat. I know I need to move on from BK, but doesn't this elite level of recruiting by Notre Dame make you dislike BK even more? Shop down a different aisle. BS. It doesn't make me dislike him more because I mean, at this point in time, I, I just I don't have a lot to say. About I mean, my feelings of dislike are not going to be any stronger because they're they're already kind of there. But it's it's not so much the dislike that bothers me; it's the it's the realization that if if Notre Dame is able to to come back and like finish this class off the way that it's going right now, so let's just say hypothetically they're able to keep the guys in the class and you know add you know, Dante Moore and maybe another back and, you know, great house and Gallagher and Hannafin. I'm just like guy, you know, Freeling, Jagusa, Absher, Pendleton, Saravel, Jason Moore, Devin Houston, Bubakar, and one of the stud linebackers. And let's say they're able to add like a Micah Bell and not even Caleb Downs, but just like Micah Bell and Christian Gray. Right. Let's just say that's the class they get. That's a top three class, if not the number one class in the country. That's a top three class. And it and it just it would if they're able to do that in the NIL era, because Brian Kelly never to deal with NIL, it would just be evidence of what I've always said, which is Brian Kelly didn't recruit better at Notre Dame because of Brian Kelly, not because of Notre Dame. And it, it would it would add to sort of the fresh the missed op, the feeling of missed opportunities. If you were at the tailgate on Saturday, you know how I feel about the 2015 team. And, and just that was yet another missed opportunity. And so, you know, for me, it's just one of those things where that still kind of bothers me a little bit because the kids are getting the ones that get cheated out of that. Like they should have been better. And they were always blamed for the shortcomings of the person doing the blaming. And I'm not going to lie, that that bothered me. It won't make me dislike him more. It'll just be further verification of why I'm glad he's gone. And that's really what it boils down to. So 
let me see if there's any more. I think that's going to wrap it up here. We've got a lot of great questions, but I just don't have the time to get to all these because I do have a couple appointments. I have to get to a couple things I've got to get done, but I did want to answer some of those questions. And I really appreciate everybody uh, being a part of the show today. This was a lot of fun. Oh, hey, um, I did want to get this out there. Scotty, the world famous Scotty Nitro. Brian, thank you for the messages and concern about the birth of our baby girl. She and mommy are doing great. So for those of you who may not, or maybe new to the channel, or if you need a refresher, uh, Scotty had some, him and his baby, his wife, they were having some issues. The baby wasn't quite growing. Uh, they induced labor this weekend and it, a lot of twists and turns, but moral story is his uh, daughter was born and she is doing great. Uh, Scott was blessed to be able to see a picture uh, right after the birth of of her. And so we are very, very happy for you, Scotty Nitro. Uh, really, really happy for you and your wife and your daughter and your new daughter. And uh, he said that uh, so in the picture, he said, we've got a new new member of IB Nation. So we, we absolutely love that. Uh, we're so happy for you. We're so happy that she's healthy, that your wife is healthy, uh, all of that. So we're just, we're really excited for you. And, and the prayers help, man. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. So. Um, yeah, I, I, we're really happy for you, man. So uh, great way to end the show, in my opinion. Great way to end the show with with that great news. So uh, for everybody, I want to thank you all. A lot of congratulations coming in from your from your Irish Breakdown family, Scotty Nitro, and your wife and daughter. But uh, that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Remember to hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Look, when you hit the when you hit the like button, right? When you hit the notification bell, when you subscribe, when you you know, share our podcast. Anytime you interact with our show, that helps us. That helps us grow. That help, helps us get in front of more viewers. People have asked you, hey, how can I help? I don't make a lot of money. I don't do this. I don't do that. But I really want to help you guys out. Those are the things you can do that don't cost you a dime. They cost you your time, right? So if you if you support what we do and you want us to be able to continue to grow the staff and continue to grow our business so we can do more shows and better shows and have the different things that we want to do, that's how you can help us. Hit the like button. Share our podcast. The notification bell really helps you, right? But subscribe to our channel. All those things help us a ton. And that's a great way for you to help us. If you'd like to help us financially, obviously, Super Chaps help. But even better, sign up for the message board because I don't get 40% of my revenue taken away. Well, the government takes it, but I don't get an additional 40% taken away by YouTube and Google, who we are glad to be partners with for the show, but obviously there's other ways that you can support us. Sign up for the message board, go to boards.irishbreakdown.com. You can either join a monthly membership, an annual membership. If you're not really a message board reader, you just want to support us, you can still join, or you can join the Irish Breakdown Booster Club. That's another way. You can buy stuff from the merch store. It was really cool seeing all the Irish Breakdown hats. I was walking around one of the suites before the, the game or like the beginning of the game, I saw someone rocking an IB hat. We had people coming up with IB hats on. And that was so cool. We really appreciated that. And, uh, and, and we thank you all very much for that. But again, it's another way that you can support us, our channel, our team, and help us continue to grow. So uh, that's it for today. We will be back tonight at 630. We will have a live show tonight at 630. That's why you need to make sure that you hit that notification bell. So we will talk about Sam Pendleton's decision whether he, if he commits Notre Dame, what that means from Notre Dame, if he commits somewhere else, what it means for the for Notre Dame then in regards to, okay, what's next? So we'll have all that tonight around 6.30 Eastern. Make sure that you join us for that show. Everybody have a great rest of your day. And again, thank you so much for joining and being a part of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.